2: I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Biggie's here for sure. Yep. Glad to be here, man. Sean Bajani, that is me. He is Adam Spillane. Uh, One of the reasons why I love doing the crosstalk in the morning with uh, Pendergast especially is because I have things planned. I have things set. I know where I want to go. And then he brings something up, and then I say, hell with it. I got to get to this. I got to get to this, especially with baseball spo. Um, My man, both of you guys, really, I mean, I know, Sean, you're trying to get the hell out of here. I don't know. Are you going to go take a nap? Do you ever sleep, by the way? No, no, no. I don't nap. I, I, I can't nap. I'm incapable of napping, and I'm going to donate blood at 1030 today. I'll be de- dude, you're going to be drained. Yeah, I know. Like, we're we were doing the them. show last night, and we're monitoring social. You and Amy are out, having an anniversary dinner. looked like a lovely evening. Thank you. And I'm like, this sucker does not sleep. Like, Don't. he's going to go home, watch the Rockets, maybe watch the Rocket rerun or some Astros or what have we're you. We're going out again for our anniversary tonight. Look at you. Where are you going? Because it's Friday. We're going to Mastro's tonight. Astros. Went to but Carrabba's Buttercake.
4: Butter next. cake. Huh? Butter cake. Ooh. Bring, bring some
3: back. Blueberry butter cake.
4: I just go the right oh way. Yeah, yeah, they
3: do the blue. But, the, dude, the butter cake at Mastro's is, that's a Mount Rushmore dessert. Oh, yeah, dessert easily. For sure, yeah, yeah. So that's what I got going on. I yeah. Got, otherwise, I'd sit here and give you hot takes Damn on Damn it, Grammar. now you got me sidetracked again. That's all right. Yeah, now you want butter cake. Yeah, I mean, I actually the... do. <laughs> and you got me thinking, like, where's the last great piece of butter cake that I've had? And I can't remember. I feel like it was homemade, actually. I feel like it was homemade, but I mean, you got me burning on like the Barkley stuff now because I did not know that was both of you and Seth's stance. But you bring up Fromber Valdez and Yaspo like as if we should be concerned about Fromber in this instance as opposed to being concerned about the guy that should be calling the damn pitches and Yiner Diaz. Like, what does that say about him? I almost feel better about Fromber Valdez maybe doing this, taking over that responsibility because. It's seemingly something that he would be comfortable with, like a little less stress on the mound because he's got the plan. He knows what he
4: wants to do. Yeah, it's it's just different. And so you just kind of have to see how it looks when they actually do it. Uh, does it wind up helping him? You know? So I don't know. It's all very, very new. Exploration time.
3: That is Well, that's what spring training, training is.
4: Yeah. Spring training is a time to see what works, what doesn't work. And if he likes it, if he's comfortable with it, then great. If he's not, then I think that he will have no issue trusting Yiner Diaz to call pitches for him. But, again, we'll have to kind of wait. I don't think it says anything about Yiner I mean, he said um, in the story that Chandler Rome wrote for The Athletic, he said it had nothing to do with, with Maldonado not being there. It was yeah. just something that he wanted to try. And Pitchcom allows you to do this now. Because before, like, you can't really signal what the pitch that you want to throw when you're on the mound. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of could. That Grinky would like explore explore it every now and say there. if you're you're like th- holding up fingers, that that's a little too easy to pick up. Or Grinky would just be like, "Hey, fastball." But <laughs> but now with PitchCom, obviously the catcher is able to make the signals to the pitchers, but then you have the two way where the where the pitcher can actually make his own calls with the catcher, and so I do wonder. If that's something that you might see, not just with the Astros, but I, I wonder if more pitchers start to do this, especially veteran pitchers yeah. that want to feel like they are more in control of what they're actually calling. Because And don't forget, there's also the pitch clock that gets involved. And so if you as a, as a pitcher, if the catcher is running through signs and you don't like the first pitch and you don't like the second pitch, and then finally you find what you want on the third pitch, well, then you got to hurry up and throw. You know, so if you're a pitcher and you know what you want to throw, you can go ahead and call that pitch and then you can go through everything and you can take your deep breaths and all that stuff on the mound. So I think the pitch clock also has something to do with this, why you might see more pitchers go to this. Because I remember it was last year when we were in spring training and I I think it was Luis Garcia. And Garcia was like like in a full count during his first spring training start and he and whoever caught him, I, I don't remember who the catcher was that day, but whoever was catching him, Uh, they could not get on the same page with the pitch, and the pitch clock is is ticking down, and then he said, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to throw a fastball. Mm -hmm. And so he threw the fastball. That's not a great way to go about things. And then what happened? (laughs) Uh, He got the strikeout, actually, on that pitch. But you don't want, like, that worked then, but that's not something that you want to consistently be in that position to where... You're just throwing a pitch and you're hoping that that your catcher can catch it.
3: I mean, I think that in and of itself is what you're most concerned with a guy like Frambois Valdez specifically about is, you know, somebody that is not in control, that does feel rushed, that needs to take those deep breaths, that has to collect himself at times uh, in particularly high leverage situations um, when there's trouble brewing. Um, We'd seen that kind of come to a head last year and be an issue where it was in the past, but he had been able to figure it out the year prior. Um, yeah, I think that is definitely something to monitor. But who, uh, by the way, um, well, before we get to this, let me set this up a little bit. If you want to follow us uh, on Twitter, you can hit us up at Sean Bajani at Adam Spillane. Let me give you all the different ways you can be a part of the show today because uh, once I do get settled in, I'm kind of comfortable right now. I'm sitting in Lopez's seat. Kind of liking it, by the way. Um, though I don't know how, like Lopez turns around about seventy-five times during the show to to look at Figgy. You know what you need? We need like one of those mirrors right here. I need a mirror behind Spose. Like put a see. spoon
4: on the on <laughs> the <spoon>? monitor. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me turn my camera to like reverse angle and see if that helps with Fig. No, there's a reflection. That's poor. Um, but you can hit us up, 713-572-4610, 572-4610. You can be a part of the show that way. Call, text, all that good stuff. Twitch, YouTube, you can see our beautiful faces, all that good stuff. I was just going to ask you as uh, we kind of transition to football here in just a moment, um, who's responsible on the staff that handles catchers most? You know, you've got your infield coaches, you got your guys they who have a catching on the coach. outfields. Who is that guy? Michael Collins. Michael Collins. Australian fella. Australian fella. Hmm. He's got an interesting story, I'll bet. Uh, Australian fella in baseball coaching catchers.
4: Well, he he was on their World Baseball. He was on their World Baseball Classic coaching. Actually, this is a true story. So I went to the World Baseball Classic in seventeen in Tokyo, and for Japan is playing Australia, and I knew one of the Australian players. He was mm-hmm. with me uh, with the Rockies uh, way back in the day, um, and so for this game, I'm sitting right behind first base. And I'm sitting right behind the first base coach's box, and I've got a million pictures of, of like, you know, videos of like pitches being thrown. And Michael Collins was the first base coach. Ha, how so about that? small world. And then of small. course he wound up coaching, for, uh, uh, joining the Astros coaching staff. And yeah, there there, a, Australia's there's not like a ton of Australian baseball players, but it, it's not a. They have an Australian Winter League because Australia is our winter is summer in Australia, so it's a great time for baseball out there. So you'll get a lot of minor leaguers that will go and play in the Australian Winter League. I know some coaches that have coached there. I know some players that have played there. So we're
3: going to get to the point to where the Australian Winter League is rivaling the Venezuelan Winter League. We will not get there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so either, man. Uh, We've got a good show for you coming up. A lot of football, obviously. The Combine uh, very much underway. And uh, I think... um, the drive talked to will Kunkel of Fox 26 who's out there covering uh for Fox and had some really interesting nuggets on the combine yesterday during the drive last night we talked to Charlie Campbell of walterfootball.com he had some really cool things to say um it's got the Texans taking a defensive end out of UCLA uh La- I call him Lale because he's got a very difficult name to pronounce uh you can't say it very fast. Lyle Lyle Latu, defensive end out of UCLA. UCLA had a really
4: good defense last year. Yeah, they did. That guy's got a hell of
3: a story, by the way. We talked a lot about that if you want to check it out on uh, the show page um, with Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. Today, we're going to be joined, as I guess you guys have been doing this every day, Figgy. Yeah, all week. uh, With Cody Stutes. Yep. HoustonFootball.com also has great content. Uh, regularly on YouTube. Cody's a badass, covered Texans with them all this past season, does a fantastic job. He'll join us at 1240, correct? Yep. So looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I imagine we'll be pretty liberal on the uh, time because I guess things can be sort of in flux with uh, availabilities and you got to get who you got to get when you got to get them. Uh, when you are in Indianapolis covering combine and all that good stuff, you never know what he might be into at the time. But at some point, we do know in and around twelve forty, we'll talk to Cody Stutes about uh, what he's observed, what he's learned, what he's hearing at the combine. Who the Texans are meeting with? They've met with a lot of guys already. Have you seen this? I've been trying to keep track of the list that Cody reports on every day via you know Twitter and Aaron Wilson and those guys. A lot of cornerbacks. You intrigued at all by that?
4: Um, no, th- not really. I mean, it, it is <laughs> you just meet with whoever's there, mm-hmm. and I, I imagine that they have their board. I think they know probably what direction that they want to go in, but also at the same time, I would trade the pick. You'd trade 23? I would trade 23 in a heartbeat.
3: Trade down, get
4: more picks? No. We'll get a guy who's going to help you right away. Okay. Who you know is going to be good right away.
3: Okay. Well, I was going to ask you that question a little bit later, and you've answered that. Very clearly now. I guess I will save a little meat on the bone. But I, I would be, and,
4: I, I would be interested to know because, like you said, there, there's a list of all the of all the guys they've interviewed. Then they can bring in what thirty two guys, thirty guys that they can bring in for like formal visits. Yeah. Uh, and, and meet with. I think those tend to be more important than the combine uh, interviews more than anything else. But I, I would like to go through just like how many of the guys that they drafted last year, in the year before that, and the year before that are guys that they really never had any sort of background with. Because you don't have to, I think it helps to interview some of these guys and to spend some time with them, but I don't think it's necessarily the be-all, end-all. No,
3: I mean, look, it's fact-finding. It's it's just being over-prepared as opposed to being under-prepared. Because I also think about it like this. If you can start a file on a guy before they're even in the league, fantastic. Because in four years' time, hell, in two years' time, if they flame out, by a team that maybe drafted him in the second, third, fourth, seventh round. Who knows? You know what? I like that guy. There was something to him when we talked to him at the Senior Bowl or something to him when we talked to him uh, at the Combine. And you've got at least that much more intel on a guy at that point in time than, than, than rather not. So I think it's as much about that as anything
4: else. These guys are so coached up, though. By their agents and their agencies. And they know exactly what to say a lot of times. Sure. They know exactly what's coming. That's why I... But you know who can cut through all the BS? A guy like D'Amico who's been there, done
3: that, maybe. understands it. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got a that, little that's bit... That's why,
4: uh, for me, I, I, I would be much more interested, not necessarily in talking to the prospects, but talking to their college coaches, not, not the head coaches, the coordinator or the position coach, their teammates, other guys like that, because a lot of times... Those guys aren't going to be coached, and they're going to be honest with you. And, and yep. they know those guys really, really well. They've seen how they've worked. They've seen the work ethic uh, because that stuff matters. Like, I, I think one of the biggest things when you're drafting a player, the biggest attribute is does he love to play? Does he love to play? Does he love to compete? Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised. There are a lot of guys who it turns out they don't really love to play. It's just something that they've been good at.
3: You're absolutely 110% right. And that's something that I've learned more and more about in the years covering, you know, really all sports, but particularly football. I hear more about this in football than anything else. Like, you know what? It's, It's a job. It's something I have to do. It's not necessarily something I want to do. I've heard that way more times than I ever anticipated for a professional athlete to kind of have that sort of mentality. And I know for a lot of people like us, Boy, what a beautiful problem. Like,
4: damn it, that's just something you got to do, huh? <laughs> you know, I don't think people can relate to that at well, all. Well, it's I mean, it's it's not an easy job. Like it's a well-paid job, but it's not an easy job, and if you don't love to do it, then you're just not going to be good at it at the highest level. Like you can be if you don't love to play football, you can still be really good at it in college because mm-hmm. the competition isn't the same. But if you don't love to play football, It doesn't matter how – you can be extraordinarily talented and you can have some success in the NFL, but you're not going to be great at it against NFL-type competition of of guys who are, frankly, just going to work harder than you. So that's – to me, if I'm talking to these these players, I want to gauge an idea of how much they love to play, but then again, I also want to check with their coaches. Like, hey – does this guy really love to play? Does this guy is this guy the most competitive guy in the sure. room? Because I think that stuff matters a lot of times it more does. than the measurables do.
3: But sometimes you got to cut through the BS from the coach too. You know, it's just you've got to talk to anybody and everybody you possibly can. In you know, trust your gut, so to speak. You know, but. Uh, uh, Ask ask questions. I mean, you can't ever ask too many questions. I mean, and I say, look, you got to cut through the BS with the coaches, too, because they want to do nothing more than prop up their players, not which ends up propping up their they program. They might not like that player. <laughs> Sometimes, but you know what? Like, at the end of the day, does it behoove you to talk down about a player or re- rather remain fairly neutral on a guy? Or, I mean, not it, saying. It depends, but you though, like because guy, You
4: don't have to slander them. You might have a better relationship. Like, D'Amico Ryans, I'm sure, has friends who are college coaches. And they're going to be honest with him. Like, they probably like D'Amico more than they like the player. And it's the relationship that
3: counts that matters in that that case. But not all of them have really any relationship at times with some of these newer coaches in the NFL. D'Amico's a little bit different. He's a hybrid guy, right? He played. uh, They know him from college. They know him from—
4: Let's say Texans position coach X has a relationship with X universities. Ex, you know what i mean sure. so like yeah. you go on down the line and every, and you get everybody involved mm-hmm. when it comes to the draft it's not just the gm the scouts and the head coach right. it's everybody you right. it, it takes it's a group it's groupthink essentially
3: yeah no i think it's an excellent point uh, you know you talk talk about cutting through the bs man uh, i, w- I want to play this little bit of audio for you uh cuz you think you know this guy some of you still aren't necessarily believing that you uh, or the Texans maybe really know who this guy is. Maybe you need to see more from him. Nico Collins was on a, um, it was. do you
5: call it a podcast, Figgy? Yeah, I would say it's a podcast. It's a podcast it's, on yeah. the Fubo
3: Sports Network uh, this week. I didn't know that was really a thing, but it is, and I might explore actually going the Fubo route. But nevertheless, Nico Collins weighed in on his contract status, entering into the final year of a rookie deal, talking extension. What does he think is uh, going to happen?
6: Man, to be honest, I haven't really even talked to my agent about it. I mean, I kind of know um, that like it's my end of my third. You know, what I'm out for you know a free agency, but in my head, man, I'm like. I'm locked in to where I, I feel like I, I need another year to prove to everybody what I can do, you know. Because I miss, I feel like really the first two years I had was due to injuries. I feel like that wasn't my best me, you know what I'm saying. So I feel like after this year, kind of like alright, just show 'em a little bit, boom. And I feel like this year, because I feel like it's gonna be a little better year, man. Just, just mentally, uh, physically, I uh, know what to expect. I'm um, learning, getting better, growing throughout the throughout the year. Um, just learning the game better, and you know? but you know if it come, if it come early, it come early, you know. But I feel like my mindset is just, just throw ball and just let it play out, uh, play out.
3: Sounds very much like a guy that is betting on himself. I, do you, I, I want to isolate that cut? We'll, we'll we'll do it later on in the show, Figgy. But I mean, I think this is something until there is news that breaks about the Texans and Nico Collins um, agreeing on a contract extension, if that's this offseason, if that's next year. I think that is a, a little clip that is going to be very interesting to hold on to and maybe play repeatedly throughout the year. And I'm talking about when he says, quote, I'm up for free agency next year, but in my head I'm locked into where I feel like I need another year to prove to everybody what I can do, end
4: quote. I thought that was fascinating. Well, it, it means that if I have another year next year like I did this year, I'm going to really cash in. Yes. And that's, I think, what he's kind of hoping for. Now, unfortunately for him, the NFL has the, the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. And if he does turn in a year next year like he did in 2023, then he's going to get tagged. Like sure. That's an automatic tag.
3: What's that franchise tag for
4: a wide it's receiver pretty good. this like, year? It's yeah, still it's like- good, but you don't have the freedom to go out and try and get your own deal. But that being said, he still would put himself in great position. And I'm sure the Texans would like to get something done with him uh, if that were the case. But it's one of what he is telling you right there is that he's not going to take what his market value would be right now. He mm-hmm. wants to go out and have another monster year and then go out and get what his market value 100%.
3: is. I, and I, I love that from his standpoint, because that, we talk about relatability. Um, and I know, look, this is very much uh, you know business decision driven uh, on his part, certainly. But that is something that we can relate to. If you were out on Nico Collins, out on this receiver core, like many people were coming into this season, and he puts up almost doubles, and in fact, in some cases, tripled and quadrupled the level of production this year that he'd had in either one of his previous two seasons. Fantastic. C.J. Stroud, Bobby Sloak, you know the whole bit. Had everything to do with it. And just being in a better system with better coaches and some semblance of a direction um, with, with the trajectory headed upward, way up. I, I love the fact that he's wanting to bet on himself. I love the fact that the Texans could very well be having to make a decision this time next year on paying a legitimate number one wide receiver. Seven one three five seven two four six ten. Coming up next, if there was any question, by the way, the Texans were not now a destination for uh, top flight free agents. I think he got the answer yesterday very clearly. We'll talk about it next on In the Loop at Sports Radio six ten. God bless. That hit hard. (laughs) I just have my speed. It's uh, Friday, man. Like You turned that up on purpose? Nah, nah. It was already up. Damn, my headphones must be extra loud. That scared the hell out of me. (laughs) Goodness. Uh, Obviously, this is not the voice of one John Lopez, nor is it of Landry Locker. But he will very much be a part of our show later on. Uh Landry Locker, that is, because he is making the internet go absolutely nuts. Uh that's coming up in the final hour of the program. Uh I am Sean Bajani. He is Adam Spillane. And apparently, according to 713, we sound just alike. Uh Figgy, would you uh concur or disagree? I disagree. I've gotten that multiple times before when Spo and I have done shows together. Really? Yeah. Never have. Never have. <laughs> Sitting like a Brandon Scott, now I'm Cecil Shorts type thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that that is so true. And you know it is. B. Scott and Cecil. They Schwartz. don't sound alike either. They do sound alike. Don't? They absolutely do sound alike. I guess
5: they they do have that low tone voice. They do. But um, Brandon Scott's got a little more Twain to him. Because he from Houston. a little more,
7: yeah, a lot, well, more. a lot more, yeah.
3: When you listen and look, you do shows with him all the time now on H Town Hoops podcast, um, and then obviously up here. But um, I think for your average, maybe to below average listener, when you hear that, and but you know who those guys are, you're like, yeah, who the hell am I listening to? I thought that, and I, I've known he, I've known both of them for more than a decade, and I thought that on the radio seven one three five seven two four six ten five seven two four 6, 10. By the way, somebody very observant because you and I, Figgy, talked about this pre-show. I didn't get a chance to chop it up with Spo about this, but you know, we just played the uh cut on Fubo Sports uh damn it. What what the hell is the damn name of that show? Fubo Sports Network, the Nico Collins uh podcast that he was on this Aaron It Out Podcast. Aaron It Out Podcast. Sorry, I should give them proper due because I'll probably be a subscriber to them here in the next week or so. <laughs> um but somebody on the text line said Hey, he also said if it come early, it would come early. Talking about Nico Collins' comments on a contract extension. He did say that. And I think that only means if the Texans were to wow him with a deal. Which, I don't know. They could, I guess, potentially. What do you think, Spo? I mean, is that something that maybe Nick Casario would want to get out in front of, if possible, now? Or... Do they share kind of Nico's sentiment like, you know what, we'd like to see a little bit more and we'd have no problem paying him at the end of the day if he continued to do what he did this last season?
4: I'm sure that they would like to get, if if they can avoid him going into free agency, I think that they would probably like that. But at the same time, they have, I'm sure, based off of what he's done his first three seasons in the NFL, and they have a certain, you know, salary structure that they would give him. And I don't think that they would go necessarily like way over that structure at this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So hey if 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 you want to prove it and get more, go ahead and prove it and get more. but remember, the Texans have the franchise tag in their back pocket and mm-hmm. and so that gives them a little bit of protection to where if they don't get something done this off season, then they have they have that. And so it's not like so it doesn't become desperation mode. sure twenty one
3: point eight and change by the way, the uh, wide receiver franchise tag for this off season, presumably it would go up by a million and change maybe two million next year. Uh, who knows? So that's kind of what you'd be looking well, that, at.
4: Well, that, that's based off of the top salaries of wide yeah. receivers. and I, Depending I
3: on what tag, top five, top 10%. And so, so
4: my question would be, are there any wide receivers that are about to get paid? I guess Jamar Chase could be in that mix, and so could uh, Justin Jefferson. So that might impact the uh, the franchise tag number for wide highest receivers
3: paid, highest paid wide receiver right now do you happen to know off the top of your no, head, not top of my head. Uh, or the number because Mike Evans is in line for a uh, thirty million yeah AD. so so
4: that that again and because the cap is going to go up by so much yeah that could wind up really boosting the salaries of those top wide receivers so you say that the set the the salary um, the franchise tag number for a wide receiver could go up by a million and change or so it could go up by a little bit more than that just Good. based off of teams having a little bit of extra money to spend based on the cap going up as much as it is. No doubt.
3: Good point, man. Uh, I, I I wanted to talk a little bit about this because I think um, we, we started the show, you know, with Pendergast and uh, Payne on the Saquon Barkley situation. And I, I think it's been about three or four days now where um, the Giants GM, you know, talking, it's, it's the season in which you – you you can't really trust what anybody's really saying the giants you know yeah we're going to be talking with uh, Saquon this off season about an extension tags not off the table that was a report after adam Schefter earlier this week had reported that hey basically every running back that is anybody this off season's probably not going to be tagged and then you hear the otherwise from barkley uh reports from josh jacobs reports uh all over the place you just don't know what to believe now but I don't think there's any question after what we heard yesterday that the Texans are now a destination and a top one for top flight free agents. Aaron Wilson's report regarding Saquon Barkley yesterday having the Texans as his top target. Uh, For me, I love to hear it. I'm a Saquon guy. Uh, Don't care if it's $12.5 million per. Sounds good to me because it's Saquon Barkley, 26, 27-year-old guy. Uh, not a lot of tread worn off of those tires, and I don't necessarily concern myself with his previous injury history because I don't think it's as drastic as everybody else makes it out to be. But I I think me, Spo, and I, I want to get your take on this. For me, it's less about Saquon Barkley and more about everybody else. I look at it like this. If Saquon Barkley has the Texans as his top target, how many other top-flight free agents do you think, especially at positions of need for the Texans, have them as their top target as well? How the hell far have we come as a city, as a football fan base, to where finally this is the case? You might have thought you'd gotten there before in the Deshaun era, maybe at one point in time in the Kubiak era, but the damn Texans never did anything back then. Like the best free agent offseason you ever had in their existence with, was Daniel Manning, and Jonathan Joseph back in 2011, 2010, whatever the hell it was, off season, and I think this year you could absolutely and probably do blow that out of the water. I'm excited for what it means, not just this off
4: season, but years going forward. Spo. Well, it helps that they have a lot of cap space, and so you see these teams that are interest that you see these players that are interested in the Texans. They they see the cap space, so they know, hey. The Texans are going to be be able to spend, whereas some of these other teams that don't have the sort of cap space aren't going to be able to spend. So that's why that's that's a it's not the reason. But that's a reason why I do think that the Texans are going to be at the top of a lot of players list just because they have the money to spend, whereas some other teams don't. Now, they are still good. They are coming off of a good season. They have a very good, very young quarterback who looks like he's going to be a star uh, if he's not already. And then they have a head coach that I think a lot of uh, guys want to play for, so yeah, they they certainly are a team that is on the rise, um, and and they've got money to spend, and I do think that players see that they have money to spend, and so they're going to want some of that pie.
3: Yeah, I it's getting, I want to see how big that pie is going to actually be. How how big of a slice Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans, you know, are going to be willing to slice off for some of these guys. Positions of need for them, not just running back, but, you know, potentially look tight end, wide receiver, linebacker, cornerback, defensive tackle, safety upgrade, depending on how I feel about Jimmy Ward, who's contractually supposed to be back uh, for the Texans um, this next season. But you know what? Damn. Maybe even offensive line because if I'm a veteran Offensive lineman, particularly maybe somebody that uh, prefers left guard, and I'm sitting back looking at this situation for the Texans with C.J. Stroud, Bobby Slowick offensively, this receiver core that looks really exciting, really young at this point in time. I'm saying, man, I'd love to go block for that dude. Um, Kenyon Green, Jarrett Patterson, I can go beat their ass. I'd be interested literally if I'm anybody and I wouldn't necessarily kick out of bed the idea that uh, the Texans would explore bringing in a good, solid veteran left guard uh, kind of a player that could fill that position this year or at least generate some sort of competition. That was just one of the things that had crossed my mind in the uh, early goings of thinking about all of this and what it means for the
4: Texans in in terms of who they could have their pick of. Well, I mean... Just look at the offensive line. Like it might feel like they're set at the tackles. It might feel like okay, the center pretty good. It might feel like you know, right guard is pretty good. These guys get hurt. They do. You need depth. And you it, saw you needed depth badly you, last year. Yeah. So if you don't have depth, then you're in big trouble. And and it's very rare. I, I think what Tunsil was on IR at one point last year. Titus Howard missed most of the season the guy that they thought was going to start at left guard did not play a single snap. I don't think they put Tunsil on He missed IR three games. I know he missed yeah. three games. But yeah. um, the the guy who was supposed to be the center, he wound up missing the first half of the season, and then he had to go play guard. So like, it's hard to keep these guys healthy. So you do need Backups. In place for when a, a, an offensive lineman eventually gets hurt, because you look like a team like the Jets. Obviously, they lose Aaron Rodgers. Their season's in big trouble at that point. But they had a bad offensive line, and the offensive line got worse as the season went along because they had nobody behind their starters. So if you aren't think, if you go into camp and you just have your five offensive linemen and that's it, you're in big trouble because the odds that you're going to be able to keep all five of those guys healthy Mm -hmm. for an entire 17-game season plus postseason is incredibly slim. So if you're not looking to shore up the depth behind the offensive line, then you are making a big mistake.
3: He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani, in for Landry Locker, John Lopez. You're in the loop. Coming up next, we'll localize the hell out of it. Uh, rockets falling to the Suns last night. Did one particular individual buy himself. A little bit more time in the starting lineup. Hm, who am I talking about? Well, we'll tell you next.
8: We're making the stories from outside the loop matter to you. This is Localize It.
7: Don't
5: you know I'm local?
8: You're in the loop. On Houston's Sports Leader. It. Sports Radio 610.
3: In for Landry Locker, I'm John Lopez. I'm not John Lopez. In for Landry Locker and John Lopez. Can we redo
4: that last? I mean, my God,
3: was that bad? That was really bad.
4: <laughs> you had to do it three times. Two times.
3: I, one, I forgot to turn my mic That's on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that, John, John Lopez? Lopez. <laughs> the Lopez laugh. from the boat. <laughs> He's laughing at you from the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? We make mistakes. This is my first shift. Uh, Of the day, it's probably only going to get a little bit worse as I make my way towards seven o'clock. Or could it get better? Are Uh, you
5: doing the show tonight too? I am. Okay. Double duty. Double duty. Okay. Can't get worse after what I just
3: witnessed. (laughs) You you kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Spo. You want to get us in here? not good. Not, shoot. It's Darn. not good. Damn. Spoges, Spoges ain't got no damn shame, man. He's like, Johnny, you just got to try. but You just got to be better, bro. Solid. I'll be the first to admit it. Hey, look, fine, whatever. But can we move on? Yes, please. I mean, for crying out loud. My apologies. My God. I'm trying to get your expert analysis on these damn rockets. <laughs> um, Which, by before we even get into the heart of this thing, mm-hmm, how the hell are they playing the damn Suns and the Thunder-like In the last five games. Got to play them eventually. You got to get those games (laughs) off your schedule. (laughs) I never remember the NBA schedule looking like this
4: trashy before. Like, this is horrible. Well, I mean, part of it is it's a travel thing. Where you are seeing more and more teams kind of do the back-to-back in the same city. Just so that that's one less trip that you have This is
3: a result of players bitching and moaning in
4: recent years Uh, about "Eh, travel. I I think the players, though, would tell you that they like it. Because, again, instead of going to Phoenix now, and then maybe going to Phoenix in a month, they just get to knock out the Phoenix trip now. And it's, you know, one less flight that they have to take. Now, obviously, it's hard to play an opponent back-to-back, you know, twice in a row, especially mm-hmm. a good team like this. But that's just how the schedule falls sometimes. And yeah. you got to play those teams three or four times a year, so it's going to happen eventually. You know, the last couple of years, actually, I think it was this year, they played Sacramento back-to-back games here uh, the last couple of years, they've gone to Sacramento to play a couple of games in a row, so that's just how the NBA schedule works. Yeah, out. I
3: mean, I get it if you're making a, you know, far n- north west trip or a northeast trip or something like that. But, I mean, it's not like Phoenix and Oklahoma City are very far to begin with. You know what I'm saying? But they fell to uh, the Suns last night, 110-105. Jalen Green, single-handedly at times spoke, keeping the Rockets in that ballgame last night. Off to another crappy start. I look up. Down 24-12 to with, you know, three minutes remaining in the first quarter, and the guy hit eight of the 12 points. He had a really good game early on last night. 7-15 of uh, early, I think, uh, had 20 points right out of the gate, looking good, hitting threes. uh, But he just hit three of his final 13 shots. I heard you and B. Scott talking about this on your H-Town Hoops podcast. Uh, I don't know when you guys did it recently, but I was watching it yesterday before the game. And B. Scott was making the case for Ime Udoka moving Jalen Green to the bench. This is something that we've talked about, you know, quite a bit about the last couple of weeks. And it's been just over two weeks ago now, I believe, that uh, Udoka hinted at possibly making a change with the starting lineup pre-All-Star break. He'd said, quote, regarding the slow starts, it's definitely a concerning problem. Maybe I have to look at the rotation and the lineup. I have to... I have out there starting and try to get five competitors out there at one time to avoid poor starts like that. I will look at all of that over the break, look in the mirror at myself and figure out the best way forward to get us off to better starts. Well, last night they got off to another crappy start as they typically do, especially on the road. At what point in time do they make a move or do they make a move? What did you think of Brandon's case that they should make a move and start Jalen on the bench?
4: Like there are certainly, a reason to do it. And, again, last night, you know, the starting five, the big reason why doka didn't make the move coming out of the break was that the first 27 games of the year, that starting five was outstanding together. They were outscoring teams by, I think it was 10 points per 100 possessions. That's how good that lineup was. You had a really good stat, then, especially
3: defensively. Yeah, with defensively that lineup, it was great.
4: Yeah. And then the next 27 games... Um, that lineup only played together nine times they, they had guys in and out of the lineup so there was no consistency there so Yudoka was hoping that hey we're healthy now all those five guys are good to go they can play let's see how it looks after a couple of weeks and obviously the results have not been great um they have not played they have not won games out of the break now part of that has been the schedule like you said, the schedule coming out of the All-Star break has been absolutely brutal. You're talking about New Orleans. You're talking about uh, playing Phoenix, then two games with Oklahoma City, now two more games with Phoenix. I mean, those are our three teams that are right now the tops are in the top six, top seven in the Western Conference. Like these are three really good teams. So I don't think it's like a great gauge of how good that lineup is now on to green. Like that's if you want to bring him off the bench, fine, bring him off the bench. The problem that they have right now is that I don't know if there's a great option to put in that spot. Because I think the the top two guys that you would say, hey, this guy should start over Jalen Green, it would be Cam Whitmore and Amen Thompson. Well, you look at what those two guys did last night. They were pretty bad in last night's game. Thompson O of two only took two shots. Everybody was bad last night, though, except for Jalen Green. You know what I mean? Like But they have th- those guys have warts though to their game. And so with Thompson, he cannot shoot. Like, the shooting is a—once he learns how to shoot, he's going to be a great player. But right now, he just—he cannot shoot. He can get to the rim. Um, he he can defend. He can get you going in transition. But the shooting is an issue. For Whitmore, Whitmore can shoot. But that's basically all he does at this point. Like, he does not really know how to get the offense moving. He, he has the ball. He has tunnel vision. He is going to take the shot. Almost basically, it doesn't matter what the defense is around him. It doesn't matter— what's going on with the other four guys on the floor, he's going to take the shot. And so that doesn't necessarily keep the ball moving. That doesn't necessarily help the offense run. So I think that they really like those two together off the bench to provide like a big uh, a jolt of athleticism, a jolt of energy. And I think that they want to keep that starting five together. Now, if they had Tari Eason available to them, which they don't, and who knows when he's going to play again, I think that then you could have something where you would, you would put send Green to the bench and, and, and have Easton start. But again, I don't know when Easton's going to play again. Yeah, and I the mean, fact well, that he has not played, it's been almost two months since he's played. Um, he was supposed to come back a few weeks ago. Exactly and two months now. He hadn't played since January 1st. And I think it's
3: trending in the direction that he doesn't come back yeah, this that's, season.
4: That's, that's basically what the feeling is. And he had some imaging. you know, So he was supposed to come back that road trip before the All-Star break. He felt some pain during his ramp-up. He's dealing with a stress reaction in his leg. At least I think that's what they've termed it as. He's dealing with a stress reaction in his leg. That's what cost him the first part of the season. Came back. He was in a little bit... He was in a lot more pain than he let on. Uh, They shut him down for a couple of weeks. And then in that ramp-up, he started to feel some pain again. Went to the doctor last week to get some imaging done. And basically, Ime Yudoka said they're trying to get more opinions Mm -hmm. from from what they saw. So they're not going to have Easton. So to me... They're probably just going to leave Jalen Green in the starting lineup. And also, I think that they want as much information on Jalen Green as possible moving forward because they've got to make a decision and, on what to do it. with
3: him. You make the determination when you're Rafael Stone and maybe more so if you're Ime Odoka, since, look, this is his ship now. Um, when you have determined that you have all you need and all you're going to get from Jalen Green. Um and maybe he feels like, you know what, I don't have enough. I need more intel. It, maybe last night's performance well, buys it's not, it's, him a little bit more time. I don't know time. if it's
4: Rafael Stone necessarily. I think it's Ime Yudoka. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's what I said. You know, since it's his ship now, it's more on him to make the determination on exactly when he feels like he's seen enough from Jalen Green. Maybe he's bought himself a little bit more time with the performance last night. I mean, it's one game. It's been his best I, I, game since, you know, two,
4: three weeks now. It, see... Was it a great game, though? No, like, it wasn't I, a great game. No, I just, I'm saying for, for Jalen, because I know he scored the 34 and he shot seven of 17 from three, which is terrific, but he was also three of 11 from two point range. Yeah. Like and three, that's, that's three sort for of his stuff, last 13 in the game. That That's the sort of stuff that becomes a problem with him is that, like, the three point shooting can, can sometimes suck you in because mm-hmm. you see a guy shoot well from three and you see the big scoring. Okay, well, it was mostly done on three point shots, but you want to see the guy. Get to the rim. You want to see him be efficient at the rim because those points are just as important. And so he got to the free throw line seven times, which is important for him because that's something that has really lacked from his game this season, especially when you compare it to last year. But to only be, what did I say, three of eleven from inside the three-point arc, that sort of stuff isn't good enough. No,
3: no. Seven one three-five seven two four six ten. Why not feature green more instead of trying to bench him? That one from Victor uh and the seven one three. So why not feature green more I mean, instead do. of trying to bench him? What do you mean? Like he played 39 minutes
4: last night. No, he, he, they, the offense ran through him he, at the start he, of the game. He they, gets they his are, shots, man. Yeah, he just are, didn't make them. They, they are big on getting him shots early in the game. Now, if you want to ask the question, well, why is it that Jalen green is the one who kind of takes the heat and nobody else does. That's a good point. And that's a point that should be made because he isn't the only guy who has played poorly over the course of the season. Um, Fred Van Vliet has not shot the ball well really in the last month. Uh, Dylan Brooks defense has not been at the level that it was earlier in the season before he got hurt. Jabari Smith Jr. Has not shot the bell uh, has not shot the ball well since he's come back from the ankle injury. And then you see an operant a level of play really fall off over the last but,
3: month. but, and it goes to your point in this text here from the seven one three. I think it's Victor again. Uh, my question is why the hell is green, the whipping boy and needs to be moved and not someone else. well, Look, you gave Dylan Brooks a very large contract along with Fred Van Vliet. Jabari Smith has shown promise along with Alperen Şengün, far more so than one of Jalen Green in terms of consistency at the end. And look, it's inarguable, especially on a night last night where Green has one of his better games, especially, ironically, a very good start compared to not so much from anybody else on the Rockets last night. They all suffered greatly for it and had to fight their way back from you know a big hole that they dug themselves. But it, it's more than just about one game. He's the whipping boy because what he's been consistent at is not being consistent. It's about the poor shooting. It's about not doing the things winning basketball players do away from the basketball and
4: on the defensive side. He hasn't shown that. Well, he's the whipping boy because he was the second overall pick and he's been around for three years. Yeah. And so he had the highest expectations out of anyone, and he has not met those. Like, you look at the other guys that they've drafted, Alper and Shingun has exceeded the expectations. Jabari Smith hasn't met the expectations, but he's come closer he's to meeting them than Jalen Green has. Uh, the two guys that they drafted, uh, Eason hasn't played, but when he played, he was outstanding. The two guys that they drafted um, last June they have probably exceeded the expectations of what people had for them Mm -hmm. coming into the season. So, like, Green kind of takes the heat because he he is further away from meeting the expectations that were set for him. Now, the expectations were probably set too high, but that's what happens when you're taking second overall.
3: He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani in for Landry Locker, and John Lopez on In The Loop. Coming up next, uh, D'Amico Ryans in a very familiar face could be reunited this offseason. We'll get to that and why Spo wouldn't be surprised if the Texans drafted at this position in the first round. We'll get you all that and more next at Sports Radio 610.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
7: Look at
3: that. Figgy got us vibing. I like it. In for Landry Locker, John Lopez. I'm Sean Bajani. Adam Spillane here as well. Coming up in an hour and change, 1240-ish. We're going to be uh, going live to Indianapolis at the uh, Combine. Talk to Cody Stutz. He'll give us the uh, latest um, schedule for today. Wide receivers and running backs doing on-field uh, work. So, be looking forward to that. I saw this, I uh, believe it was yesterday evening, Spo, and I immediately felt like an idiot because I was thinking only about this guy being a former Titan not a former San Francisco 49er, and that's uh, linebacker Aziz al Uh In the mutual interest that might be shared between him and the Houston Texans, that according to a Aaron Wilson report uh, yesterday, Shayir spent the previous four years with the 49ers, and that means all of his career uh, up until last year's prove-it deal with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, with D'Amico Ryans. A couple of years as position coach at linebacker, then two years uh, as uh, the defensive coordinator uh, in which D'Amico excelled at tremendously, setting up him, obviously taking over as the greatest head coach in Texans history already just after one season, right? How about that? Al Shair, man, is that a potential target for you if you're D'Amico Ryans in this Houston Texans defense this offseason? By the way... Uh, contract projections. I don't know what you feel about these. i always feel like they're going to be slightly off until proven otherwise. We'll have to keep a monitor on this. According to PFF, the projection for uh one Aziz Al Shair, three years and about uh thirty eight million dollars, uh twenty guaranteed, about uh seven, a little over seven million AAV, I believe the no, what, what
9: was that the projection?
3: Yeah, I think a little over seven in the change. think you said three Eight. years 38, didn't you? Yeah, three years 38. So, what that's would that be? 17. That would
4: be like. uh, It's like 12. It'd be and a like, half. yeah, 11 and a half, 12 and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's a bit high. Um, But he's 26, and so that helps. And the fact that D'Amico Ryans knows him and knows him well, I, I think that sort of stuff is important. And so I think familiarity really matters. And if D'Amico Ryans thinks that he fits within the scheme, then go ahead. But that's not. Again, that 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 price tag is a little high, especially when I think there are other areas on the roster that they need to focus on first.
3: Yeah. uh, Let me see. Eleven and a half is the AAV three years. Twenty point two five six point seven five million per year. Eleven and a half fully guaranteed. That's the projection for Al Shayer. So I was wrong. A little better thinking of somebody. Yeah. I mean, come on. You paid Denzel Perryman uh, two and change last season. And he probably exceeded expectations or exceeded that contract. It's cool, right? Gave you a little bit of nasty, gave you a little bit of consistency. Um, was significantly improved in the linebacker core from the year before that and the year before that and the year before that, right? You like it. But if you could do better for that, less than $7 million per year, which is what I was initially thinking before I jacked the numbers up. I mean, come on. It's something that D'Amico Ryan spoke about earlier this week when I think it was Cody Stutz that asked the question, the difference between, you know, players that you know that have been in the system versus the ones you don't, that you're going to be shopping for or exploring, trying to learn more about. And there's always a side with a player that you have familiarity with, that you know, understands, and fits the system. And I started thinking about it like this, because... If you look at last year's offseason and the way D'Amico Ryan's Nick Casario built this defense specifically, they didn't go out and get a whole bunch of young guys. I mean, they went out and got Sheldon Rankins. They went out and got Jimmy Ward. They went out and got Denzel Perryman. And they utilized some players that they thought, you know what? They They were okay. They've shown me enough ability in year or years past that could really thrive in this defense. Blake Cashman, right? Um, Whereas offensively, you tended to side a little bit more with the younger. I mean, you had a rookie quarterback. You had a rookie uh, standout wide receiver in in Tank Dell. Um, You had Juice Scruggs and Jared Patterson on your offensive line at one point in time. Like, they went far more youth offensively than defensively. Shouldn't that be a template that maybe we concentrate on and maybe that the Texans follow a little bit closer defensively again this offseason?
4: Probably, and it again, it, it makes sense for somebody who has background with D'Amico Ryans because it's not just that D'Amico Ryans knows him, it's that he knows D'Amico Ryans and he knows the system, and it's hard enough to come into this league and to change teams and to go through the whole transition of, I'm going to plan for a new team, new city, all that stuff. And then you got to learn a new system. Well, if you already know the system, mm-hmm. then it's a whole lot easier. It makes the transition so much more e- uh, so much easier. And so that's why somebody um like uh, Al Sheer, that that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I get excited about, you know, that and I, say I, I, I get excited. It's I like, I do. Well, I mean, you don't get excited about much. That's I true. mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Um and it's all good. Everybody's different. But I got excited about it when I heard Al because Look, he played really well against the Texans last year. Uh he was a good player for the Tennessee Titans on a prove-it deal. I think he made like five and change or six and change on a one-year deal with the Titans last season. And if I'm the Titans, I'd be looking at trying to retain him, to be quite honest with you. But if you're Al Shayer, you got to be really looking hard at the Texans. And going back to the Barkley report yesterday per Aaron Wilson, if – He's got the Texans as his top target. Guys that have a familiarity to D'Amico Ryan's, probably at the very top of their list as well. And if you're the Texans, you got your pick of the litter in terms of the best fits. May not be the highest priced guys. May not be the most talented guys. But again, I point at this. Look at what D'Amico Ryan's in this defense and really in large part the Texans did with the talent that in some cases was already here that you thought wasn't very good because they were in crappy regimes, and crappy systems, schemes, rather offensively or defensively. Good coaches can make uh, what you think are marginal to below average players look pretty damn good at times. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so that's why I got excited and then a little bit more excited about the fact that he's a former 49er. All right, why don't we get to this? Do you think the Texans could go a completely different direction than a lot of people are anticipating with the 23 overall pick? Yeah,
4: we've seen a lot, and this is coming from like Sean, from Landry, um... You've seen mock drafts that have had the Texans taking tackles. And again, I don't think that they're necessarily going to take a tackle. I would not probably take a tackle if I were them, but I don't think it's like that out of the question that tackle it could is happen. in the defensive offensive gr- tackle. <laughs> I don't think it's like that out of the question that they could do it. And Figgy Landry said that if the Texans take an offensive tackle, he'll eat a Mel Kuiper draft guide. So please hold him to that. I'm putting did that on you. Did he say that? He did. Check the Twitter. Offensive tackle? Are you sure? Offensive, offensive tackle? tackle. He yeah. said that. I've would... seen that on
5: three different drafts, man. I
3: think it's a good bet. Landry said if the Texans take an offensive
4: tackle, he'd eat a page. I challenged him. I challenged out of what? him to a, a Mel Kiper draft guide because Mel <laughs> Kiper has the Texans taking a tackle at twenty-three. Now. Again, I don't think that... I, I, we've, that I, wouldn't surprise me if they did, though, man. I don't know why. It just wouldn't surprise me. So, unfortunately, Mel Kuyper doesn't make the draft guides like he used to. So what I'm going to do, Figgy, I'm going to go on eBay and buy one of the old Mel Kuyper draft guides with my own money with <laughs> the expectation that I'll be reimbursed by the station. <laughs> and then he oh, will ha- he will have to eat the luck. draft guide. Um, So the reason why... It's not I don't think it's totally out of the question is the way that I look at the draft and I can't remember there's a GM who said this and I can't remember who the GM was but he said you fill holes in free agency you draft for depth and as we saw last year the Texans needed depth at tackle because both their tackles missed a considerable amount of time. Or at least the guys that they expected to be their tackles. Um, Laramie Tunsil obviously missed three games. He just had knee surgery. He'll be 30 when the season starts. Titus Howard was supposed to be the right tackle. He got hurt during training camp. They had to move him to guard, and then he got hurt again. And so they were having to play George Fant at tackle, and, and even George Fant couldn't get through the entire season. So you need depth at that position. But also... um. Who's to say that this guy plays tackle in college? It doesn't mean that they can't move him inside in the NFL. You know, the Texans might view that guy as an inside guy once he gets to the NFL. So I don't think it's necessarily completely out of the question that they could go tackle. Now, if it's me, I would trade the pick. And I would trade the pick for somebody who's going to be good right away. But if they go and they take a tackle, it would not be the most shocking thing to me in the world. That's a deeper conversation. Uh, You know, it's really two and one, but
3: we can have it. We're here for it. We've got time. Um, I, I said this earlier, I think, you know, that look, this Texans offensive line as it's currently constructed. And let's just talk specifically about the guys that you had penciled in as starters going into last season, right? Laramie Tunsil, Kenyon green, um, <clears throat> not Scott Questenberry, though. It was looking like that was going to be the case the first week or so, but, uh, Juice Scruggs at center, Shaq Mason, Titus Howard going back to right tackle. All of those guys, whether it be on their rookie contract or deals that they'd signed with a team, are signed through the 2026 season. There's that. You've also got depth now with Jarrett Patterson. George Fant's going to move on. Josh Jones is a free agent, okay? Um, Who knows what happens with uh, Scott Questenberry, what decision they make on him. You need depth all over the place, I'd say, outside of the center position. To me, if I'm a veteran offensive lineman that is a free agent and, admittedly, you need to take a look at that market, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it looks good, if it looks bad, if it's horrible, whatever. I just know this. The Texans found a way to piece it together last year with guys like freaking Josh Jones, Michael Dieter, George Fant. Like, at the end of the day, did a pretty damn good job of getting some dudes in here, especially late, considering there was injuries all over the place every single week, it seemed like and you found a way to fill these gaps. Hell, they went out shopping and got a damn dude that was moonlighting as a fullback in Kendrick Green to come in here and play left guard for a game or two for you. Did a pretty damn good job and was probably the most productive left guard the Texans played all season long at the position. Um, Maybe he's back if he's healthy. I don't know. But I would love if, in fact, you went the more veteran route as opposed to drafting a young guy that you would slide in to that position this next year. Like, and maybe you're not saying that particularly. It is about depth, and the Texans have been very adept at letting you know they need to get deeper at all positions. We all agree with that, but you need a really good foundation on that offensive line, and I think that can be provided best if you're able to go get the left guard variety
4: of a Shaq Mason. Let me throw a hypothetical at you. Mm -hmm. Titus Howard played seven games last year was okay in those seven games. Again, they had him playing out of position, which mm. again we can that's a whole other thing. Titus Howard's cap number for 2025 is 20.5 million. Mm-hmm. Let's say Titus Howard misses half the season again next year. Mm-hmm. You good with Titus Howard at twenty point five cap number? Or if you had an opportunity to do to, to if you had an opportunity to save half that, would you take it knowing that you have his replacement already on the roster as a guy that you drafted in the first round?
3: He's got uh, two more years on his contract. Yeah, but if if he misses next year, but
4: but if you need, if you need to create cap space next year, Uh and you have Titus Howard on the books at twenty point five million, right? Coming off of back to back injury, possibly. Listen, this is a hypothetical. Coming off of two injury riddled seasons, is that a move that you would make when you know that you have somebody right there who you think that can replace him and can soak up those those starts at, at right tackle? Like that's why to me you fill your holes in free agency. All the holes that we think the Texans have in free agency, that's all the all the holes that we think the Texans have right now, fill those in free agency. Then then and of course free agency comes before the draft. So then you fill all your holes in free agency, then you have the draft and then you draft for depth. And then you're looking at okay we might have to move on from this guy next season. Let's draft his replacement now. We get him in the building. He gets a year of practice with us. That way, when we have to let player X go, player Y is right there to step in, and it's like and it's a seamless transition. Yeah, I, that's look, how I would handle the draft if I were them. It. So you would take an offensive line. You'll take a tackle. I I would not rule it out. Is what I'm saying. Okay. I am saying if if, if they if they still pick at 23. And there is a, a tackle at twenty three that they have a really high grade on. Take him.
3: Laramie Tunsil just had surgery to clean up a knee, right? Um that dude played his ass off through that injury this past season. He's not getting any younger. He's gonna be playing in his age 30 or 31 season, I believe. he will be 30. this year. Okay. It's Twenty-nine 30. right now. That's right. He's been around for a while. So he has. um I'm more concerned. About Tunsel's future health, but than he's, I, he's played more though than Howard has. Then I think I am Titus Howard. H- Howard played seven games last. year. I understand, and and why, why, why? We well, had two separate injuries. Is it a soft tissue?
4: I think he had the hand right. The he had the hand. The he broke the hand. Yeah. And what was the other one? I don't remember the other one. I don't. He's I, had uh, he's had knee issues though in the past. Um, you were there. You should know
3: this. <laughs> Dude, sorry. They went freaking four <laughs> deep in every damn offensive line
4: position last knee. year. It was a knee There's injury. a lot of
3: crap you had to deal with, okay? <laughs> Titus
4: Howard, because it was a knee injury.
3: <laughs> you want me to recall every damn thing? That old? Nine different, it doesn't matter about being old, it's about just trying to keep up with this crap. Yeah, so, but he, nine he had, different
4: starting offensive lines last year. He had a knee issue his rookie year, a knee issue last year. Like, that stuff doesn't necessarily
3: go away. No, it doesn't go away, but damn, man, it's football. Everybody's dealt with some sort of injury. Uh, I, I'm just because of uh, the he's younger. I'm think I'm more concerned with a guy like Laramie Tunsil and he's his so injury good, issue. Though. I know he's so no, good. but
4: but again, but you you bring up the point too. Like it, it would be nice to have somebody that you can just slide in a if, swing. Yes, yes if that, if either, I'm talking
3: if, myself into that because look, Charlie Heck. Okay, get the heck out of here. Like. The, he wasn't healthy either. I mean, he was healthy for like... He was ready
4: to go like the... He missed the, most of the
3: year. Yeah, he was good to go for like the last four weeks of the season, if that, right? If I recalling. And again, I, I don't hate the idea as you think about how badly you needed depth. But then again, the ability by Nick Casario to make some pretty savvy moves during training camp. I mean, you've traded a fifth rounder to go get George Fant, who's a starting level right tackle and was. He's he's going to parlay that into a starting contract for somebody this offseason in my mind. I don't think he's in chance in hell he's coming back for the Texans um, because you've got the tackles locked in, lined up, and presumably healthy to start training camp. You're not going to need his ass. So I trust Casario to go out and frugally and savvily get another George Fant-ish type of a guy or Josh Jones type of a guy. Now, granted, Josh Jones, after he broke his hand, didn't end up playing a lick for you afterwards. But you didn't need him to because you had Tunsil powering through and you had Fant playing damn good right tackle. Um, What happened to Fant, by the way? Uh, he, He didn't play for like two games towards the end portion of the season. Who did he get replaced by? Why am I struggling with that? Uh, because it certainly wasn't Titus Howard, who started at right tackle for him a couple of games.
5: I think it was Charlie Heck, right? Yeah, it yeah, was Heck. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Heck. Yeah, you're right. Scared. Yeah, we thought he was gonna get worked. <laughs> yeah, he and like, Heck. Oh man. Heck was like praying for CJ that week. He was he was he was pretty good. I mean, he <laughs> yeah, had, he was all right. Everybody was all right,
4: to be honest. Yeah,
3: he was pretty good. Seven I, three I just, five seven two four six I, ten.
4: I, I just like with free agency, it's about twenty twenty four. When you when you're making free agency moves, it's about twenty twenty four. To me, the draft is about 2024 2025 it's about the future that's what the draft is for and so you just you just want to have you want to give yourself options and again i'm not saying they should take a tackle i'm just saying i wouldn't rule it out just understanding that you have two highly paid tackles right now and both have had some trouble staying on the field and you have to take yeah. that into account when you're building out
3: a roster look we're we're a little over but just talking it through i mean jeez, you might not have to move up or even take that guy at 23. Trade they could the be a, well they could be available in the second round like how many there's gonna be runs on quarterbacks. there's gonna be runs on receivers, there's gonna be runs on cornerbacks. there's gonna be runs on defensive tackles. like hell at some point in time you could probably find one of those really good dudes that you don't need if you're talking about depth in the future. You don't need to go get that guy in the first round. You can get him in the second round. You get him in the third round. You can move up with one of your two fourth-round picks and get an extra third or maybe get a late-round second and get that guy. 713-572-4610. I'm exploring all options. Coming up next, we'll play the hits. Day's top stories, it's In
2: The Loop. Stay there. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: In for Landry Locker and John Lopez. He's Adam Spillane. I'm Sean Bajani. I lied. Uh, we'll play the hits coming up next. Hey, first time wait, I've been on this show in we, a while. But what? You're having a rough day. No, I'm not.
4: Why are you making a mountain so, out of a molehill? You just screwed up the tease. Oh. You, you know, you could have stepped in and helped. You are the co-host, I right? Pay, I wasn't paying attention. Oh. <laughs> ass. You screwed, screwed up the tease. What an ass. You <laughs> talked without the microphone being on, and then you called yourself John Lopez. That was the last segment. Can you move on? I mean... It seems like you're having a rough day,
3: and I'm concerned for you. You're concerned.
4: I'm I'm doing just so, fine. Yeah, you concerned. I think. I'm not
5: concerned. I okay. think he got
7: this,
3: man. Appreciate you, bro. I, I think, think he's what, a bad I friend. think
5: what it is, man. I think you've been working the graveyard shift, and you. I think you're in the groove now. And I, oh, this is the groove. Adam I, would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would too. I, I you're think, supposed to be
3: sharper when you work a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Story of my life. I man. think you're
5: used to Area 45. So, yeah. you know, you doing in the loop, you might, you got to get, you know what, a man,
3: bit. my life is about being uncomfortably comfortable. Um, <laughs> it's just a process. You just do it. Yeah, <laughs> you just do it. It's all I'm trying to figure out, man. 41 still trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. I put a poll question up because we were talking last segment about uh, what the Texans uh, should consider doing at. Number 23 overall. Spoh says, to hell with number 23 overall. Trade up and get trade you it. a dude. No, Get not trade dude. up. Just trade the pit. Get a player.
4: Yeah, get a real player. Get somebody who's going to help you right away. Oh. Well, Okay, trade up, trade
3: down, trade the pit. Get a dude, right? Can we yes. agree? Get a dude. That dude could be an offensive tackle. So I started a poll question. Would you be disappointed if the Texans drafted an offensive tackle in the first round? Spolane Lane thinks they should consider it. Uh, yes, Smart for the future. I didn't say no, dumb, and unnecessary. (laughs) I I think you kind of misrepresented what I said. I don't think so. (laughs) Did you get that at all from the last conversation that we've had, Figgy?
5: No, I felt like Spillane was saying he wouldn't
4: be surprised. Yeah, I said I wouldn't rule it out. Okay, so you think they should consider it? I said I wouldn't rule it out. (laughs) So you're misrepresenting it a little bit. (laughs) Okay. And now I'm going to be ratioed for it, probably.
3: Um, well, so far, 14 votes, 79% say no. It's dumb and unnecessary. 21% of the people agree with you that it would be smart
5: and for the future. Again, I said I wouldn't rule it out. Big difference. <laughs> how, between, how would you feel if they did draft an offensive line with that pick? I,
4: I think it would be – first of all, I, I think that it would probably tell you a little bit of, A, what they think about the two tackles that they have, and I think that they would be preparing to maybe move on from one of those two. And I think that when you are – When you're drafting a guy in the first round, I think that you have the future mapped out. Like, when you draft C.J. Stroud, you know he's going to be your quarterback for 10 years. If you When you draft um, Derek Stingley Jr., you know he's going to be in your secondary for a long time. If you draft a guy in the first round, the expectation is that he is going to be a starter for you for a long time. And so if they draft a tackle in the first round thinking that he's going to play tackle for them, it means that they think he's going to be a tackle for them for a long time. But not this year. No, and, and that's okay. Or next year, or the year after that. But ain't that a so, problem,
5: though, because I feel like they spent a lot of money on the offensive have, line. They have done they a just, lot of draft picks. I know, they
3: just made Laramie Tunsil the highest paid left tackle in football. Yeah, they just made Titus Howard the fourth highest paid right tackle in football in which he hasn't played in, like, a year. So, I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's a really good bet that Landry actually made. I don't know how he does on
4: his gambling habits. Well, wasn't and I, I just challenged him. No, yeah. Landry made the bet, right? What? Oh, you're the one that challenged him? Yeah, he, said, he, he was the one who said that they weren't going to do it, so I said, okay, if the tech, if the Texans... Eat a Mel Kiper draft guide if the Texans... That was a good recommendation by you.
3: Yeah, uh, Which... Yeah. He took it. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. We all have a reason to hope. Very to John McClain of him who once <laughs> that's, ate a that's where uh, I got page it out of the Houston Chronicle. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Now, nah, it's going to be entertaining when uh, that doesn't happen. So, not so much.
4: <laughs> you won't have to eat it. Well, I'm not buying the draft guide until they actually do it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's I'm going to wait to buy the old that's smart. Draft Very
3: guide. financially savvy move by you. I wouldn't purchase that either because uh, you should not expect a reimbursement. Uh, from anyone. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it doesn't I'm hurt. Send it in. It does not hurt to try. 713 572 4610, 572, 4610. Cause Sean and company need to move around with this take. What does that mean from the two eight one? What does that mean? Get Landry and Lopez back on the line, cause Sean and company need to move around with this take. I don't understand that. What? What take? I am do not associate me with Adam Spillane's cockamamie idea of Uh, considering a tackle in the first round. Um, I said
4: I wouldn't rule it out. (laughs) That's the same thing. If he's the best player out there, then then take him. But again,
3: I would trade the pick. You know, you said that maybe means more about the Texans maybe moving on from a tackle uh, sooner than later. To me, that would say a little bit more about what they believe they already have or had gotten by that point in time because free agency would effectively be pretty much completed by the draft, what they'd already accumulated elsewhere, whether that be running back, tight end, wide receiver, linebacker, corner safety, all of those things, they've met those needs. Um, Was the GM, by the way, that you were uh, referencing, which said, look, you fill the holes in free agency and draft for the future. Was that Brad Holmes? I don't remember. Who got executive of the year this year? Uh, for the Detroit Lions. I don't remember. Who uh, it. I said I remember he said something similar.
4: That's probably a fairly general blanketed sort of yeah. philosophy. Um, because, and the reason why you do that is because most, in most cases, rookies are not ready to contribute at a high level in the NFL when they first come into the league. Right. But. Some do. But. And in the if, position that, hang on, because the position that this team is in right now, they're ready to win now. Mm-hmm. Like, they are ready to, they just won the division, they just won a playoff game, they are ready to take the next steps to possibly winning a Super Bowl, and the idea that you draft a guy at 23 who's going to be able to help you do that, those odds are pretty slim. Well, you got one of them last year in Will Anderson, and you got... Uh, but he was the second pick. He was the third pick in the draft. Like sure. that's, a, that's a completely different level of prospect than the guy that you're taking at 23. Guys that you take at 23, they tend to take a little bit longer. They're not ready to jump right in and be great players. That's why you take Will Anderson at three, because you know that he's going to be a great player, yeah. not just in the future, but he's going to be a great player right away. That's why, to me... The best thing that they could do if they want to try and win a Super Bowl this year, which they have a they have an opportunity to do it because they have have a great quarterback. And right now he's only taking up three percent of your cap. So you have an opportunity to go out and splurge a little bit now. So trade the pick and go get somebody who's going to be able to step in right away and not just step in, but step in and be a really good player for you right now. Um, That's what I would if I'm them. That's what I'm looking to do. I'm taking 23 and I'm trading it for a high level player. Last
3: year, taken at number 23, Minnesota Vikings, Jordan Addison. 22, Zay Flowers, Ravens. 21, Quentin Johnston, Chargers. 20, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Seattle. So, so, I mean,
4: those are those are fine players. Some of them contributed at a high level in the NFL. Some didn't. But, like, I know, like, I know right now, and I'm just going to throw this out as an, as an example, I know T. Higgins can step in right away and be a great player. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what I'm getting from T. Higgins. Would you rather have if you're trying to win a Super Bowl in 2024, would you rather have T Higgins and trade the pick or would you rather roll the dice on a draft pick at 23? No. To a, me, I would rather go out guy. and get the player. Yeah, you yeah. you go out and get the player. And I I don't
3: I don't think the Texans are in a position to where like you go and overpay for a particular guy, if it's a wide receiver, if it's a running back. I mean, I they got the flexibility to get the running back. But what I'm trying to say is the Texans aren't one player away. They're multiple players away, but they're still very close. You know what I'm saying? Um, It's, it's, it's still not in the same conversation to where the Texans can afford to use a first round pick on a position that they cannot utilize right away. And that is a tackle. And it's based on what they did this past season during training camp when they had to go out and get a couple of dudes because of injuries that ended up serving them very well. And in the case of George Fant, started all season long pretty much up until the last couple of three games of the season. Um, and then, look, came back and was a badass for you in the postseason. Necessary. Um, I still think that is a a way that Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans can continue to operate. And there's possibility of getting an impact player that could help you defensively at 23, maybe slightly higher if you trade up, maybe slightly lower if you feel like you could trade down, depending on the runs at these positions. Hell, if it's a Byron Murphy who I know his stock is rising, but if that's a, tech, a guy that Texans absolutely fall in love with, assuming they don't retain Jonathan Renard and you think that dude would be an absolute badass NFL-ready game changer, somebody to pull a line up along, uh, across from Will Anderson, do it! I don't know if they're going to be able to get them, but I mean, I'm, that's something you got to consider.
4: I'd way more consider that than an offensive lineman. Just talking it through again. I would trade the pick. Yeah, I would trade the pick. If I don't trade the pick, I take the best guy available. All right, seven one three five seven two four six ten. You can weigh in on the poll. Um,
3: even though it's uh, misrepresented, according to Adam Spillane, I. I don't think it is. Uh, would you be disappointed if the Texans drafted an offensive tackle in the is. first round? No. He remained very neutral because... He was not
4: neutral at all. <laughs> he,
3: Figgy, did I misrepresent that? I think you did a little bit.
5: Damn you. Because he, he did say he wanted to trade the pick for a player. Spoh says all kinds of stuff. He just throws <laughs> crap up against
3: the wall to see if it sticks. <laughs> I've done the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll play
9: the hit. Stay there.
8: Playing all the hits. These are the hot stories of the day. You're listening to In the Loop with Houston's sports leader, Sports Radio 610. All
3: right, before we get to the hits, I have corrected a uh, a misrepresentation, at least an alleged one, by uh, one Adam Spillane, and uh, supported by Figgy. I fixed the poll question. Redo okay. on the poll question, I said, since Spo and Figgy felt I misrepresented the initial take by Spo. I asked the question quite simply. Would you be disappointed if the Texans drafted a tackle in the first round? So you can go ahead and vote on Twitter at sports radio six ten at Sean Bajani. Uh and I know Spo would love to hear from you. Uh you're getting a lot of love via the text line, Spo, on uh that possibility. Uh and by love I mean absolutely uh Hate. Um, so there you go. <laughs> hey, man, They don't run teams. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. You have an opinion. We wanna we wanna hear it. And um, I will get to a lot of them here in a little bit after we play the hits. First up on the hits, Stros beat the Mets two to one last night. More importantly, Renell Blanco pitched pretty well in uh, two and two thirds innings, gave up just uh, two hits, struck out two, no walks. Got another taste of Jordan. Uh, hitting in the two-hole last night. Similar lineup to what we may see on the regular come the regular season. You had Altuve, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker, and Abreu. Pena, Caratini, Dubon, and Salazar. That's really the top five hitters that uh, I'm concerned about. Altuve, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker, and Abreu. You feel like um, that's something you could get used to seeing and that maybe uh, Joe Espada explores a little bit more as the spring
4: goes on? I think that's what it's going to be. Good. Uh, I think I think it's that five. Diaz batting sixth McCormick batting seventh Myers batting eighth and, uh, maybe Pena batting eighth and then Myers batting ninth on opening day mm-hmm. I think that's probably what they will go with mm-hmm. assuming all those guys are healthy and we've got a long way to go yeah it's a long way to go uh you still got 20 some odd
3: ball games uh remaining to play in the spring and uh still a lot of health concerns uh, we'll get to uh some of your biggest Astro spring training takeaways uh, a little bit later on but you know just initially I mean, so far, so good in terms of Jordan Alvarez. I mean, he's played in a couple of spring games now in a two spot. I was interested to hear him uh, and hear his take on hitting in the two hole the other day. I don't know if you had a chance to read any of his comments. I think Chandler Rome had caught up with him or it could have been Leah Van from the Chronicle. Uh, I can't remember, but he would said... That's something that he's actually got to mentally prepare for. You know, he'd not done it but a handful of times before in his career. I think he did it maybe in 2021, 20, a few games. But it's like, damn, you know, Altuve swings. You yeah. got to be ready to go up there and uh, and, and swing the bat. Is, is that something that you would anticipate maybe being a little bit of a challenge for Jordan? No. Or, I don't either because hitters hitting. hit, dude. Yeah. Hitters hit. I just like the idea of possibly getting 30 to 50 more at-bats in a particular season depending on the playing time of Jordan obviously.
4: Yeah, and that that is going to be that that really is the one adjustment is that. The game starts, Altuve leads off and he swings at the first pitch and oh, I'm already up. Like mm-hmm. that's that's really the one adjustment but I don't foresee that being any sort of a problem. It's not like he's going to be pitched any differently because he's batting second as opposed to third or fourth.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All right, I love it. Uh next up on the hits UH basketball back in action tomorrow night in Oklahoma. I get a feeling of a little bit of a trap game here. Uh, Cougs took the top spot in the nation earlier this week for the first time all season. Uh, They beat Cincy. This I say has a trap game feel to it because you look at what Oklahoma uh, has done in recent games. They've lost to Baylor, Kansas and Iowa state within their last five. They've got two wins and they've been squeakers against Oklahoma State, one by four and one by two in overtime a few nights ago. Uh, I was impressed a little less so than uh, Patrick when uh, he and I were talking uh, a couple of nights ago on Area 45 about – hey, you know what? The Cougs, they went out and they had a wire-to-wire win. They played really good basketball against Cincinnati, responded after taking the top spot in the country. And I said, dude, this is a team that's been there, done that before. That's the culture now. That's the expectation. I'm not necessarily surprised. Um, they got three games left, including this one upcoming uh, tomorrow night against Oklahoma. How do you feel about these Cougs and their tournament chances? Um, I know it's still a little bit away, but
4: it's getting close. Yeah, it's it's getting there. Uh, They're really good. They really are good. And... The injuries have kind of caught up to them. Um, I know that was something that Kelvin Sampson talked about the other night is that they've lost two really key bench guys. Uh, Terrence Arsenault, they lost in uh, December. Uh, they lost Ramon Walker last week. So the depth isn't quite there. Offensively, it's going to sometimes be a struggle. Like it, It's not a great offensive team, but defensively, there's nobody in the country better. Like And it really isn't particularly close. Like They are an elite defensive team. They rebound. Their bigs are, they're, they're a really physical team. They're, they're a well-connected team. I certainly think I, their chances of winning a national championship have gone up in my book over the last couple of weeks. The, the Baylor game to me was incredibly impressive because I wanted to see how they would handle playing against a great offensive team. And they handled that Baylor game really well where they jumped on Baylor early. They withstood the Baylor run in the second half and then they took over in overtime. Because... As good as U of H is defensively, you're there are times when you're gonna run into the hot team. Mm-hmm. Especially with like if you if you get matched up with Alabama, Alabama is an elite offensive team that can throw a hundred points up on you if they get hot. I don't think U of H can hand I don't think that's a game that U of H can win. But I think that there is a they, they showed defensively though that they are good enough to avoid those types of games. Well as, that's that's the kicker. Yeah, so that yeah. that was what I wanted to see with the Baylor games. Like, okay. How do you get? How do you look against one of these elite offenses? Because they played at Kansas, the the one bad defensive game that they played probably all season was against Kansas. So now you mm-hmm. go to Waco and you play an elite offensive team in Baylor, and listen, Baylor got its points, but for a half, U of H just looked like. They, they completely stifled that Baylor attack. So that was that was to me the game that showed that this U of H team can win a national championship.
3: Can I tell you something? Um, that Baylor game that they pulled out in overtime the other night where it almost didn't go to overtime when Shed mm-hmm. just needed like a half a millisecond longer and that shot would have counted at the buzzer. I'm actually glad that didn't count because of the way the Cougars performed in that overtime period. And look, maybe this is going a little bit too far with it because at the end of the day, for most people, a win is a win. But it would have been a little bit of a different feel if that shot at the buzzer counts. And it comes after you blow a 16-point second-half lead. And you get the feeling like, ah, they just squeaked by. And what does that really mean? No. Overtime came, and they dominated. They clamped down defensively. They took care of business on offense. They hit clutch free throws. That is a team
4: that had the opportunity to step on the throat, and they did. The big thing that you mentioned right there was the free throws mm-hmm. because it's it's not a great free throw shooting team, but the fact that they were able to go to the line and make free throws late in the game, I thought that that was a really important aspect of that win last Saturday. And listen, I don't see OU as a trap game. I don't know if OU is very good. Um, like you said, they haven't been playing well. They've been injured. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've been hit by the injury bug over the course of the season. It's also Kelvin Sampson's return to Oklahoma. I don't think he's coached there since he left in 2006. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's an interesting aspect of this game. I think the trap game for U of H is next week when they play Central Florida going into the Kansas game. Yeah. Because I, I guarantee you, they got that Kansas game circled on their calendars because of how poorly they played in Lawrence last month.
3: Yeah, and you know that game that was a really bad start. You know, if the Cougs get off to a bad, it's so hard for them to just, you know, fight back from an early hole because they're not a great, you know, offensive team. That's not a team that's going to, I mean, they've shown the propensity to be able to, you know, match, you know, go tit for tat with a good uh, shooting team, but that's just not their MO. I mean, they, they play really hard. They play physical, their defensive team, um, they got down like 9-2 to two in that Kansas game, 11-2, to two, whatever it was. And it was like, oh, boy, here we well, go. Kansas did whatever you know? they wanted yeah, offensively. Yeah, and, and, and they so, were making everything.
4: Yeah, so the fact that Kansas was able to get easy shots in that game and uh, it hurt that uh, Javier Francis got hurt early in that game. And so Hunter Dickinson did anything that he wanted. I'm really looking forward to that U of H-Kansas game next Saturday. I yeah. think that's going to be a lot of fun. And it could be for U of H an opportunity to, to win the Big 12. And I'm waiting to see... Because this U of H program has accomplished a lot in the last five, six years, but there's always kind of been a yeah, but with it. Like they went to the final four in 2021. Yeah, but they didn't play a seed that was ranked higher than 10 mm-hmm. on their way to the final four uh, on their way to the final four. They've won a bunch of conference titles. Yeah, but it was in the American. There's no yeah but when you win the Big 12. The Big 12 is as good as it gets in this in the country right now. And to go through a Big 12 schedule in the first year after losing two first-round picks, that's an incredibly impressive accomplishment.
3: Amen. He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani in for Landry Locker, John Lopez, you're in the loop. Coming up next, we'll roll into the 12 o'clock hour. More NFL rule changes in the works. What the NFL could do that would give you an upwards of an extra 3,000 plays back in the game. That's next. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to interrupt the song, man. I'm jamming. Let's go.
5: What you know about this? What, you mean, what do I know about this? <laughs> you know how old I am? Yeah, but I, I wasn't sure if you knew about this.
3: And I listen to all music, man. Yeah, this is good stuff, dude. I'm not surprised. Figgy spinning it, doing his thing. Love you, man. I'm glad you stuck around today. Didn't get lazy and take the vacay like uh, Landry <laughs> and John. It's <laughs> John fishing again. He fish every chance he get. God bless. We know what Landry was doing at 1 o'clock in the morning last night. At some Mexican restaurant, uh, drinking.
4: He wasn't there at 1 a.m.
3: Pounding out um, incoherent messages.
4: there with the
7: baby for dinner. Is that when it was?
3: Yes. <laughs> I didn't, didn't the teacher post make its way via a picture at 1 a.m. on a Facebook post this morning? I didn't see that, so I don't know. I can't oh. answer that question.
4: Okay. That's why I would assume... No, but he he had a video, at least it was on Instagram, of him at dinner and the baby was there.
3: Okay. Would it not behoove Landry uh, or shock you that Landry would say, uh, Hun, can you take the? uh," He probably wouldn't even say, Hun. He'd be like, Take the kid home. So I'm going to stay here and drink a few margaritas. That'd be absolutely shocking to you.
4: (laughs) Yes, it would be. It would be. Okay.
3: Okay. Uh, Landry breaking the uh, internet. Um, this morning and uh pissing off every teacher in the uh Houston and surrounding areas. We'll have that for you an internet going nuts coming up in the one o'clock hour. In forty minutes, less than that, Cody stutes live from the NFL Combine. We'll get to that. Uh make sure you head down to Twin Peaks this afternoon, two to six. Ron and Clint gonna be there with the drive. Uh Twin Peaks right off of Kirby fifty nine. They're gonna be giving away rodeo tickets. Uh, throughout the show, so you're not gonna want to miss that. Do we happen to know uh, exactly like what tickets specifically they're gonna be giving? I'm not away? sure.
5: I'm not sure. So you gotta you gotta go to Twin Peaks and find out. Gotta find out. Better be In good. Person. It's usually good.
3: If those guys, they they always have. Uh, they get all the good swag to give away. So uh, they do a good job on the locations. Always have a lot of fun. Go out, and have a few drinks and eats with those guys. Twin Peaks, 59 Kirby, uh, two to six today and an opportunity to go take in a free rodeo show. Uh, NFL rule changes, Spo, in the works. I know we've got some to discuss a little bit later on in the college game as well, but here's a couple that kind of stuck out to me in the NFL. Tush Push supposed to be uh, not going anywhere. So you you good with that one? Uh, Don't care. I think they need to come up with a better name of Tush Push. Are you down with the Tush Push? Do do we need a better name than that? it rhymes. It's easy. (laughs) Seems kind of lame to me. You know, like, you what know, about
5: the brotherly shove? That's
3: lame. Because that's that's where it <laughs> that's lame. That's where it started, right? The brotherly yeah. shove. Um, nah, I think you could do better. Um, like I don't know, the ass blast, you know? <laughs> Easy. Nah, that's a pause.
4: Little, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you don't like that one? Nah. <laughs> I
3: don't
4: know if you're gonna be able to say that on a national TV broadcast.
3: You can't picture Jim Nance going that direction. No, I cannot.
4: Yeah, I don't either. Sure, I wonder if we
5: can say it on the
3: air.
4: We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out on Monday. It's already been seven seconds, bro. We'll find out at 2 p.m. <laughs>
5: I'll fall
3: on that sword. Eh, it's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, kickoff returns made safer last year. Uh, yeah, they were safer. Not without consequence, though. Kickoff returns set a modern-day low. This according to uh, Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, with only 22% of them returned. 12 of the 13 kickoffs in the Super Bowl landed out of the end zone. 23% of kickoffs during the regular season went through the end zone. Here's an interesting little uh, nugget here says they want the return rate in the 36 to 38% range, which would add 3,000 plays back into the game. All kinds of ideas are being floated out, even ones that would require return teams to have at least two uh, return men on kickoffs. Um, Does this bother you at all with how the NFL's handled and tinkered with kickoffs seemingly like every other year?
4: What ultimately would you like to see done? So has it... Actually played out to where there are fewer. I mean, I guess there are fewer injuries on kickoffs just because we don't have kickoff returns anymore. We I haven't have, seen we have a so hard. Few.
3: I haven't seen a number, but apparently, yes, it's it's
4: lended to it being safer. So, I mean, so that that in a sense is a good thing. I do miss that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Like I thought kickoffs. I thought kickoff returns were an exciting part of the game yeah. because you have you have a great athlete normally with the football in his hands and with an opportunity to make a play. So I do think that it has been a loss to not have that in the game. And frankly, if if we're gonna go in this direction, then just don't have kickoffs anymore. Well I, now I would like now I would not want to see that. But if how many how many kickoffs are touchbacks now? What's what's the number? Uh
3: twenty three percent of kickoffs during the regular season are returnable? through the went through the end okay. zones.
4: So I mean 20, only 22%
3: were returned, so, so 78%, one out of
4: every five. 78% were not returned. Yeah, so four out of every five mm-hmm. kickoffs are not being returned. It kind of feels like it's a waste of time. Boring. Yeah. here's So just thing. put the ball at the 25 and let's go. NFL mm-hmm. special teams game. coaches have discussed the XFL-style
3: kickoff as well as requiring teams to have two kickoff returners deep and giving teams possession of the ball on the 35 after a touchback that lands in the end zone or beyond the end zone, among other things all special teams coaches will meet Saturday with the expectation that they present a proposal to the competition committee next week and it is all a part of the thought that this one-year trial of allowing uh, teams to fair catch a kickoff for a starting position at the 25 will not return this next season. Um, I don't admittedly watch XFL football, UFL, whatever the hell it's called now, uh, though I will this season Um, but what I've heard, and you can weigh in, seven one three and tell me how wrong I am. Maybe you know this already, Spo, and you'll tell me. You have no problem with that. And I welcome it. But what I heard the XFL was doing is typically like where a ball is like where the engagement really happens, where the return team and the coverage team or the kicking team rather actually engage, which is around the opponent's 35 yard line. That's where you would kind of have so they're not getting a running start basically. They're not basically. getting a running start. They would line up just as if you were watching an offense versus a defense and you'd have the return men way back there, you know, around the 5 or the goal line or whatever, and you'd still kick off from the same spot. But so teams don't get a running start and aren't blasting through uh, you know, helmets and chests and you don't have like high speed contact situations. You would start it very much like a normal football play. That's how I've heard the XFL does it. Would you be down for that? Nah. Because that sounds really good eh, to me. I don't I think that's weird. Um It's foreign. You're not used to seeing very it. Very true. Um, that's why it's weird. I just that to me is the closest thing you could get to a normal football play where the kicker, they're out of the play anyway. The return men aren't in Absolute, like, immediate danger of getting blasted, and players aren't getting a 5, 10, 15 yard running start. And so, it would further decrease by like, all likelihood uh, any injury situations. They can always happen, but I think you would see a further decrease on the play in itself. And it closely resembles your normal every down football play. I don't know if it does. Here, I'll... Here's the thing, though. What about onside kicks? Well then you can just go back to normal. So if you're going to do an onside kick, that is going to look completely different. Yeah. Than or maybe you don't have an
4: onside kick altogether. You do a fourth and fifteen or whatever? Yeah. So I'm so I, I have video oh, shoot. Sorry. So I have a a video. So the guy, the kicker, actually it looks like they punt it. And so this guy is kicking off or punting, whatever it is, from the 30. Like a free kick or something? Yeah. So you have the kicking team is lined up at the opposing 35, Mm -hmm. and the return team is lined up at the 30. Are they kicking? Are they? I mean, you... I don't like that. You can't really set up anything. Like, it's basically the returner... Uh, Gets possession of the football and just has to run, Mm -hmm. and it's almost like he's essentially running into a wall. Like you can't try and set anything up, you can't try and set up any sort of a blocking scheme. So, in in all honesty, like you don't have the same sort of momentum, you don't have the same sort of speed that's coming at you, but you're still running into a wall of human beings, of large human beings. So, no, I don't think that. But that's because of
3: the punt. Essentially, if you still kicked off, then I think there would be a better chance. No, they he
4: kicked it off. He kicked it off from a tee. Oh, he did. Yeah. So I'm from watching what yard down. line? It looked like the thirty. Okay. Wow. So he kicked it off from the thirty, and this returner retrieved it at the fifteen. And yeah, you're basically you have to win your matchup. Like basically, it's going to be who wins the matchup one on one, but with the with the other ten guys on the field. Mm. So uh-huh. it's it's an interesting. Like it's if they want to try it out, try it out. I would just bring back the old kickoff because I thought that that was an exciting play. Yeah, yeah. Just seeing an athlete. Because, like, once this guy, it looks like once the returner gets past that first line, he's kind of gone at that point. Yeah, because everybody's up. Yes, everybody's up at the line um, of scrimmage.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, here's one from the three six one XFL had a fourth and 25 for onside kicks. Um, from the 7-1-3, why not just punt from the 30? Normal punt play uh 832 no kickoff means no extra slot for commercials. See, that's
4: not true because they'll just take the commercial after the extra point. Mm-hmm. They don't like they used to take the commercial, they used to do extra point commercial, kickoff commercial, they don't do that anymore. So you're only taking one commercial at that point. And they're going to get their commercials in regardless. Yeah. Yeah, I I would just
3: I'd like to see that be a real football play again. Um I mean 78% no return like that's actually a little uh lower than I I thought, because, look, you and I watch a lot of football. I mean, on any given Sunday, that number's probably a little bit higher in terms of feels
4: like 90%
3: of the time you don't get a return in an NFL Well, especially
4: game. We, watch, we watch games indoors. Yeah. And so that's where, like, you might see kickoffs get returned because you're kicking into the wind. You mm-hmm. don't have to worry about that indoors, and it's only a 65-yard kick now. Like, maybe move it back to the 30. I was going to say, if you moved
3: it back to the 30, or maybe maybe even the 25. Well that's and too you much. moved you had that similar XFL concept where instead of lining the oppositions up on the 35, maybe you lined them up on the 50. That way at least there was an opportunity for the runner to um, you know, I guess have to use more of the field, and the you know kicking team could kind of set themselves up defensively so to speak to disallow a return if in fact that wall was breached so to speak it would just there's there's got to be a way to make it an exciting play without going back to opening yourself up to multiple injuries yeah, on, maybe on, on but,
4: i mean still but, if you do if you do it the way that you just said that's only 15 yards difference like, these guys are right now set up at the at their own 35. You're just moving them up 15 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 15 and yards it's running. You could probably make
3: the argument, well, like everything else, that's giving the advantage to the team that's possessing the ball. You know, like, everybody complains about an offensive advantage all the time with what we were just talking about during the break. You know, I asked you a question. If you think that rule's going to go away – uh, you know from fumbling through the end zone where it's an automatic turnover and the defense takes over and you're actually in favor of that not going away but the way it stands right now if you fumble through the back of the end zone it's the other team's ball i don't like that um you don't think that's going away some people do
4: that'll be interesting to I mean, kind of I, keep... I don't i don't have a feel whether or not it's going to go away i just don't think that it should like take care of the ball yeah it's your fault yeah, and I, the if, point. If you're going to reach, you better get there. The and if point you don't that reach, I made. That's the risk that you I, take.
3: It's just you know, we see it all the time. A player extend for the left pylon or the right pylon, and hey, it's okay if you lose control of the ball and it goes out on the side. But boy, God forbid it goes out of the back of the end zone. Like that's a big difference. Like you're still taking a chance. Yeah. What's the difference, you back be- of the end zone or side of the end you zone? Be- you
4: better know if you're going to get there. It's- I better know. You better be sure. And if you're not, you wind up in a Zay Flower situation.
3: Yeah, yeah, and there have been plenty of situations um, for many, many years. Uh, here's another one that uh, I was interested in that maybe maybe we even see instituted this season. I think it's a long shot. According to the report, certainly the NFL is testing high-tech tracking for more accurate down and distance. First down markers could soon be trashed, according to this report. Instead, replaced by high-tech optical tracking. The league uh, yesterday revealed that a system to measure first downs electronically has been tested and the owners will be presented with info about how the tests went as the uh, NFL considers that possibility of using this tracking device or system. I guess there would be a chip in the ball and there would be devices on the sidelines to more accurately uh, you know, measure whether or not a uh, first down was breached or proper yardage has been marked, those sorts of things. I would not be at all opposed to that. I mean, it's essentially robot umpiring. Like, get the call right, get the down and distance correct. I think we'd all be in favor of that. Yeah, and having the first down change be a secondary
4: kind of a thing. But if you had the technology, you don't need that. The, the problem is, though, how do you know when a guy's down? Like, is there going to be a chip in the player to know when the player is down? Because most of the time you can see when the player is down, but what sometimes you're in those big piles on a fourth and in inches and you don't know when the player actually went down because you can't see. Well, it's just like
3: if you had quote-unquote robot umpires in baseball, you're not entrusting them to call the balls or strikes. The technology's doing that, but the technology would not be used unless it was via replay, you're using an umpire to man that particular base, home, first, second, third, whatever the case may be, for safe and out calls, to make a judgment call there and then have it backed up if it's challenged or replay is needed, you would do the same thing in football. If there's a chip in the football and technology available on the sideline, that would measure whether or not the guy's got a first down via where the ball is. The
4: referees are ultimately judging when and where a guy was down. Okay. Listen, I I have no issue with them trying to make that situation better because it does feel like in the year 2024, we should have a more high-tech way of figuring out where a spot is. That doesn't take an absorbent amount of time. Yeah, that and, is also the key. <laughs> and for all for all the advancements that we have had, the way that they determine spots... In 1930 is the same way that we determine spots in 2024. Sure. That's and, not great.
3: Well, and nobody kills the NFL like they used to love to kill Major League Baseball for, uh, you know, being slow to adapt and change with the times. And but it,
4: it is it's hard just because I don't know how much does it cost to put the chip in the ball? Where does the chip in the ball go? Is it the nose of the ball? Is it the middle of the ball? So I, I think there are things. And hey, what if you put the, the, the chip in the front of the ball? But the player has it in the opposite. You know, the player holds no, the ball separately. So you got to have two chips. Yeah, okay. That's that's not cheap.
3: Got to have two chips. I, oh, I Just know this. It's not out of the realm of possibility that you can come up with that technology in 2024. I mean, if you can have players wear devices that it measures how fast they run and every team uses that technology to their benefit in some way, shape, or form, um, you can put a damn chip in the ball and figure out where it's supposed to be spotted.
4: And remember, it's not like you're using just one football every game. Oh yeah, you gotta have thirty six. You gotta have for an outdoor game. You gotta have thirty six footballs. Is it that many? Yeah, it's thirty six for an outdoor uh, game. It's twenty four for for a game indoors.
3: Okay,
7: that's a lot.
3: Yeah, I was trying to think of like the reported Deflate Gate numbered footballs that uh, was initially reported. Uh, That was only like eleven or twelve footballs in that game, but maybe that was for their side. Yeah, I think it's their. yeah. Yeah, so. 24.
4: Yeah. What did you say? 24. It's 24 for indoors. It's 36. outdoors. Yeah.
3: That makes sense. I mean, it's a lot of footballs, a lot of money. They got it to spend coming up next. We'll have uh, afternoon confessions and a conversation on uh, some potential rule changes in college and expansion. Damn it. It's been five minutes since they decided the CFP playoff. Now they want to do something different. That's next. Watch this. These are
7: my confessions.
3: All right, in the loop back with you. In for Landry and Lopez. He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani, Figgy still here. Uh, very brief confessions before we kind of move on. And a reminder, coming up in about 14 minutes or so, we'll visit with Cody Stutz. Join us live from the NFL Combine. Um, I've just got one confession. Watch this. These
7: are my confessions.
3: And it's really not a confession. I kind of confessed it last night, but I do want to get your opinions on it. Uh, Last night, I don't know how we got on the subject. Whoever really knows between uh, Patrick Creighton and myself on uh, our show Area 45, but I told him last night that I'd never watched uh, Sopranos or Game of Thrones. I've not seen one millisecond of either one of those programs. And then he, of course, conveniently for him, Uh, Off air told me that he had not seen uh, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Both losers. (laughs) Well, and I said, (laughs) I said, dude, you can't kill me for not having watched, you know, two shows on like a premium channel versus two shows that everybody can see if you have basic cable. It's on AM, or they were on AMC. And so he put a poll out asking, which of these is the more unforgivable TV scent? Never seeing Sopranos or Game of Thrones or never seeing Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? Overwhelmingly, not seeing Sopranos and Game of Thrones won 54% to 29%. And he also put the caveat in here, I live in a cave. 17% voted on that. So I guess that means he had not seen either one. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Is it, like, ridiculous that I have not seen Sopranos or Game of Thrones? Yes.
4: <laughs> How is this possible? I think it's a
5: little ridiculous you've never seen um Game of Thrones. I mean, or not Game of Thrones, but Sopranos.
4: Sopranos came out, it's been twenty-five years since Sopranos. But it was, was on, it came on
5: HBO. Up. It was not on regular
3: cable, regular television. It it's was on a to premium get HBO. channel.
4: It's 10 bucks. It's
3: expensive. It's ten bucks a month. That was expensive back in the day. Are you kidding me? Like it's not back in the day anymore.
5: Yeah, no. But I mean, you
3: still have to pay extra and cable's ridiculous now. And see, to
5: be honest, like Get that's backs. that show came out when I was probably like in high school or something. So I grew up didn't have cable, but I actually watched the Sopranos recently because everybody DVD. was talking about it. Yeah. Well it. I think it's I think it's worth watching, man. It's, I don't I can't say are, that for Game of Thrones, but are those see I wanted Obviously, I've seen every mob
3: movie show out there except for Sopranos. I love that stuff. But See,
5: that's why I shock shocking because I, that you're into that type of stuff.
3: I'm into it. I love like the crime docs, the whole thing, and that consumes me. But I, I told Patrick, I was like, literally, I've had three shows my entire life. Rescue Me, Better Call Saul, and Breaking Bad. That was it. That's all I've ever gotten rescue into. <laughs> what is Rescue Me? <laughs> Remember, uh, it was the Fireman Show with Dennis Leary back in the day. Probably no right around the
4: same time with Sopranos. I, I never... I never indulged in Rescue Me. (laughs) So, Spo, are you a Game Game of Thrones guy? Uh, I watched it. I don't love it as much as some people do because I just, there were too many, like, storylines that I just had no interest in. Um, So, to me, it's not like a rewatchable show. I will rewatch clips, but I will not rewatch full episodes. To me, Sopranos, I'll rewatch clips. I'll rewatch episodes. It's that good, and it still holds up. After all these years, and there's there was a great podcast that I've been listening to that I'm almost done with from uh, Steve Sharippa and Michael Imperioli. Uh, Steve Sharippa played Bobby Bacala and uh, Michael Imperioli played Chris Moltisanti. And they go through every single episode and they've had tons of guests on uh, who were on the show, both um, as actors and as people who were behind the scenes on the show. And it's been it's been absolutely terrific. And mm. so that's kind of... Incre- I, but I've probably, re- I've, I've probably re-watched The Sopranos two or three times, and I should probably go ahead and do it again. People can.
3: have treated The Sopranos like, you know, Seinfeld, Friends, like those series sitcoms that just, like, never die. They're everlasting. And so yeah. I kind of feel like it's never going to be too late to go back and, and watch that for it's, the first time. It's like the Godfather
5: of TV. Yeah,
3: Pretty I haven't nice. done it, man. And Game of Thrones... I thought it was going to be like Troy and Gladiator, which apparently per Patrick, it is not. It's it involves like dragons and stuff like that. So that immediately turns me yeah, off. I,
5: just try, like, I try. I to. I watched the first five episodes, man. I just couldn't get into it. Man. Of yeah. Thrones. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's it, it is a little. a lot of these shows they start out slow. Like I, I think Succession is right in that same Sopranos level, and the first really five episodes of Succession, they're a little slow. But yeah. then it's like that 6th episode it really finds its its footing and it's just elite from that point yeah, on. I
5: feel like it's, it it kicked up probably like the season finale for me. Did you did like, you watch Succession? I did. I watched all of it. So
4: for me the 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 first boardroom scene when they do the, the vote of no confidence on Logan, that scene is so good and Logan is so good in that scene. That from that point on, the show just took off, and it and it and it hit that level, and it continued to get better and better as as the seasons went along. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that they stopped at four.
3: Uh, Ocho texts and he goes, I haven't watched The Sopranos either, and I've always had cable, and it's my type of series. Another one says, uh, Sean, Irwin, thank you, man. Uh, I can mail you the Sopranos box set. I might take you up on that, Irwin. <laughs> thank you, man. Have you seen The Wire? I have not seen The Wire. That's a lead, also. Yeah. Um, I have not seen also Dexter. I've not seen Oz. See yeah. Uh, I I haven't seen a lot of those shows. That I haven't. I've never seen Walking Dead. And can we start about that? Can
4: push. we start a GoFundMe for Sean? So, yeah, so you so got some HBO. You got
5: some bingeing to do, man. <laughs> I do. Well,
3: I I cannot. I've seen every documentary. Like true crime doc there is to see on Netflix, and I'm constantly Wait, searching so, for more. So
4: you'll pay for Netflix, but you won't pay for the. HBO. I'm
3: not paying for Netflix. I'm. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sharing some of these accounts. Okay.
4: Okay.
7: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so there you go. All right. Somebody else confess
4: something. Damn it. Um. These are my
7: confessions.
4: Conference tournaments start Monday. Uh huh. I'm so excited. I think conference tournaments are better than the NCAA tournament. Hmm. Man, I can't... I, That's a hot take, man. More, more. I can't get down with that. How do you think? Uh, more games. Why? More games. And it, it, they're higher level games. Like, I... What U of H is about to go through in the Big 12 tournament, the three teams that they play next week in Kansas City or two weeks in Kansas City, that will be... Those two, Those three games will be tougher than the first two games that they play in the NCAA tournament. I, yeah, I mean, I
3: there's no question about that. Um... I, the reason why I, there's a little pushback, maybe because, look, the Cougs for the first time that I can remember, and it's probably true in my lifetime, they've played more ranked opponents within the last month.
4: It's a Big Twelve for
3: you. Uh, yeah, and and so for that reason, that's why I'm like, wait, what? Because those teams in the Big Twelve, you've seen them already, you know, and I know they're going to be games with implications and things like that, and uh, you know, seating on the line, you know, in the tournament,
4: but. Hell, I think in within the Big Twelve tournament, they've got a first round buy, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean they, they they would play they would play three games. Right now, and this is just the latest bracketology, U of H would be matched up with South Dakota State in the 116, and then Mississippi State and Nebraska in the second round. I'm telling you, the three teams that U of H plays, assuming that they That's, win all, all, you know, their first two games, the three teams that they would play in the Big Twelve tournament would be better than the four teams that they would be or the three other teams that they would be in that little bracket with mm-hmm. the first two rounds of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So I just think you get better basketball. You get teams that know each other. So there's that, that extra level of competition that comes with that where yeah, you, had, good point. you have some you have some actual rivalries and then there's just more games. Yeah. I like I having all, more games.
3: I like the unknown factor as well. Figgy you got one. Watch this.
5: These are my confessions Alright, so today I'm going to the rodeo I'm going to the concert I'm going to see 50 Cent Oh, nice Yeah, so I'm,
3: That'd be the one that I'd wanted to see
5: Yeah, yeah I'm super I never saw him in concert before That's gonna be great Yeah, so um, Before the concert, though I'm going to Trill Burger Trill Burger got their stand out there and uh, for the people that don't know, they partner up with Killins Barbecue. Yeah,
3: yeah. So glad you brought this up.
5: Yeah. So I was super excited to try the fries. Uh-huh. So they have like a loaded fries with they got brisket on there, jalapenos, just a loaded, just loaded fries.
3: So I saw the French fry,
5: like collab. But
3: apparently they did a burger collab too. So is there like a brisket burger?
5: Yep, this is my confession. Uh So I wasn't really interested in trying the burger. I feel like the burger is a little too much. I feel because it's a regular hamburger. They got the onion ring on it and you can add brisket to the burger. I feel like that's a little too much, but I'm thinking about trying it anyway, man, because you ain't going to get it again. This is the only time they're doing this.
3: So yeah. I might just
5: try it. Just oh, you to gotta, try it, man. I mean,
3: YOLO, man. You got to do it. I will tell you this. It's too much.
5: Um, <laughs> I I agree. I I think the burger is too much.
3: But if you take the burger off, then it's just a brisket sandwich. It's a chopped beef sandwich or What's a sliced an, no, beef sandwich. No, so
5: it's not. It's not the. It's not the brisket sandwich. It's a regular hamburger that they have. They call it the Triller. Okay, so um, you could. I, I think it's gonna have like a special barbecue sauce on there. Okay, it's gonna have the onion ring on there, and you can add brisket if you want the brisket on there. I see. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I was thinking about trying it all.
3: Try it without the brisket because you'll get the brisket on top of the uh, fries.
5: Yeah, but see, I, I can't get both of them at the same time though, man. That's what? that's two meals because the fries itself is a meal. Well, you going with your uh, wife, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going, but I think I'm gonna go
4: try it another time though. No, that's did you go to the cook-off all three days last weekend? I did. Have, have you gained like 15 pounds? You I don't did. look like you have. I, I didn't.
5: I didn't. I, I was watching what I was eating. <laughs> the first day, Thursday, I, I, I paid
3: out. So you go, okay, I was going to say, you go out there pretty disciplined, but w- what's the wackiest thing that you've eaten at the uh, cook-off?
5: Uh, at the cook um, Or the rodeo? The, the rodeo. So last year, I had a um, bacon-wrapped pork belly on a stick. Ooh. That was... It was good but man I felt awful after that man. Yeah. That's just just imagine eating bacon wrapped bacon.
3: Can I tell you something? Uh I had speaking of like brisket and stuff. We went to Kirby Ice House uh about 4 weeks ago, 5 weeks ago cuz it was after our first show, me and Patrick did. Kirby Ice House and they had a food truck out there. And they had brisket mac and cheese. Mm. Best brisket in I've ever had in my life. And then with mac and cheese, it was amazing. Like, I've never had anything like that. Don't know the name of the food truck, but whoever you guys are at Kirby Ice House, fantastic job. Uh, I would just say YOLO, get both when you go today.
4: And, Man. you know,
3: c- carry it with you. You're going to go sit down, and watch 50 Cent, like bring it in there and enjoy it for an hour.
5: Yeah. I Like, like I said, I like my burger. I'm kind of regular when it comes to hamburgers. Like, get me bacon on there all day. But I can't do an onion ring and... See, I'm extra. Of, yeah, the onion ring, that's what took me out. And then the brisket on top of the hamburger, that's I'm, that's a little too much. I'm a little extra when it comes to
3: hamburgers. Do you guys like uh, the Very
4: avocado, plain. the fried egg, you nah. know, bacon on your burger? I like bacon. Oh, on, I like bacon. Oh. But bacon sorry. avocado are fine, but that's it's a lot. You don't do the egg? No, no? man. What about the loaded fries? Would you do the loaded fries? So what, what, what is the loaded the fries? The loaded food? fries
5: is pretty much fries with like a, a queso. You got brisket on there, cheese, jalapenos. I, just Not the jalapenos, but
4: I, I would do that, and I would feel terrible for like three days after. So. <laughs> yeah, no,
5: that's
3: true. That's true. <laughs> All right, that's lunchtime confessions. Are you hungry? Uh, can- send, send Sean your max passwords, by the way. Max password. Well, I don't need them. If the guys Erwin's uh, gonna be nice enough to send me the Sopranos box set. No, you gotta get
5: HBO Max, man, because you gotta watch the Sopranos. You uh, gotta watch Wire, the Wire, Game of Thrones, I,
4: Succession, Succession.
3: I'm, li- I'm literally about to have to cut like TV out of my life. Like it's so expensive now, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm fighting that battle. That's why so.
4: they're gonna give you the Max password. Yeah, we gotta hook you the up. The texter man. Is gonna give you them, or we set up the GoFundMe. <laughs>
3: I don't want charity. I don't want to go fund me. If you want to be nice and send me a box set or a password,
4: I'll be, I'll be down with that. I, gonna... I don't want charity, but if you
3: <laughs> Not in the form of money. Go fund me. I mean, like, geez. <laughs> There's a lot of other people that need help out there. I don't need help. Not that kind of help. I mean, you haven't other seen help.
4: The Sopranos, The Wire, Succession, or Game of Thrones. You kind of Oh, need some I'm help. not living. <laughs> you kind of need some help. Terrible. Just
8: not living. <laughs> All
3: right. We'll see how Cody Stoots is living next. He'll join us live from the Combine. Stay there.
8: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker.
3: In for Landry Locker and John Lopez, he's Adam Spolane. I'm Sean Bajani. Joining us now on the Sports Radio 610 hotline is our good friend Cody Stutz, who's live from the Combine in Indianapolis, catches work on HoustonFootball.com and on YouTube, regularly does a badass job. Cody, what's going on, man?
1: I'm just sitting here in a cold and rainy Indianapolis and watching some of these guys get stretched out and get ready for the 40 yard dash. They do a lot of practicing inside the convention center because you can't go practice at Lucas oil field. That's where the combine is. I guess there's not another big area. So you see guys like running the 40, uh, you see guys, you know, throw into wide receivers and stuff up in the, uh, the walkways of the convention center. It's, it's pretty cool, and then it kind of shows you just like how serious this is for these prospects. It's the biggest job interview of their life when it comes to football up to this point.
3: Yeah, um, wide receivers, running backs today. Uh Kind of before you give us the lay of the land, I, I've been following you on Twitter. You've been doing a hell of a job, man. I uh, appreciate all the work, but I saw all the players that you've been reporting on that the Texans have met with. I think we went over a few. Uh, earlier in the show can you give us kind of an idea before you give us the lay of the land of what you're seeing observing and hearing about today in terms of like maybe who's caught your eye who you've been maybe interested in uh hearing about that the Texans have met with to this point
1: well I do want to say it was also quarterbacks today and I just laughed at everybody that had to go to the quarterback podiums and talk to J.J. <laughs> J. McCarthy or Michael Penix or you know, even Caleb Williams and guys like that, because the Houston Texans don't need a quarterback. They did a year ago, and that would have been the big deal, but not this year. So that was good. Here's what I. I, I the thought process with the cornerbacks yesterday was sort of my thought process with the wide receivers today. Cornerbacks, I wanted to talk to as many of the top guys as I could and see if they'd visited with the Texans. With the wide receivers, I left out the top three. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr., no showed. Um, you know, he had some medical testing that ran long. He's not going to, he's not going to speak here at the combine. And then Roman Dunze, uh, from Washington and Malik neighbors from LSU, they're not going to get close to the Houston Texans. So then it was, okay, who are the next four or five guys and are the Texans going to talk to them? And sure enough, bingo, the Texans had meetings with those guys. Um, I believe they all, agree, I believe they all said it was official meetings. Um, uh, with the – you know, the team's going to – 45 official meetings, and then they kind of have casual meetings, or informal meetings, if you will, or just like a coach can talk to the players. But uh, sure enough, going through the list here of the top wide receivers after the top three, uh, Xavier Worthy, boom, he talked to the Texans. He had a big smile on his face when I asked him about talking with the Houston Texans. Florida State's Keon Coleman, he talked with the Texans. he Keon Coleman was – by far the best podium wide receiver. He was so energetic and enthusiastic. And any time a team – any time he was asked about a team, he had something good to say about somebody on that team, or he compared himself or something in his game to someone on that team. So he got asked about the Cowboys, and he was like, yeah, I like C.D. Lamb, and I kind of see a little bit of my game in in, in the way that C.D. Lamb plays. (laughs) I was just like – it was very funny. He had a great personality. Um, The production in college is kind of questionable, but then you look at the physicality and the traits that he possesses, really incredible. And then the two that I really wanted to find out, did the Texans talk to him? Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin and LSU wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. Check the box on both of those. So the Texans in a couple of different positions where they needed to talk to the top of the board, they have done that job, and they've talked to the top of the board. So doing their homework, getting to learn these guys, and almost all of the people, when you ask them about the Texans and the meeting, they talked a little bit about, like, yeah, we broke down some film or whatever, but they all mentioned, hey, they really tried to get to know me as a person and as quick as they could because they have a short amount of time with the player. They really tried to get to know me as a person, and that goes back to to me earlier in the week when D'Amico Ryan says, you know, hey, we're about the person, not the player. And they want guys that fit. Uh, Nick Casario said they want guys that fit the culture, and then he explained what the culture is and how guys fit into it. And so I, I do think it was interesting when you asked them about those meetings, they were very clear, like, oh, they were just kind of trying to get to know me, learn a little bit about my story or my past or my history. I thought that was something that stood out for these top wide receivers.
4: Cody Stutz joining us on Sports Radio Cent. Cody, are, do you – uh, of the other guys that they have met with, do you sense any sort of pattern just, I guess, with the position, with the position groupings that they are really looking at right now?
1: I, I really don't see necessarily a pattern, but from a wide receiver standpoint, they have talked to a lot of guys that are versatile. Um, and by versatile, like, I mean, play can play inside and can play outside. So like Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, um, he, he's like the king of the slot fade touchdown, um, but he can also line up outside. Uh, so he kind of he kind of replicates a little bit of what Nico Collins does. Lad McConkey is a Georgia wide receiver. He, he to me, he's this year's tank. Dell. he's a, a little bit shorter. And people are going to think because he's a short white guy, he should be a slot corner. Well, he's not. He he can play inside. He can play outside. He gets open. And, you know, people kind of shoehorn Tank Dell into that last year. Oh, well, he's a little slot guy. Well, then Tank goes out there, runs every route in the book, and gets open from wherever you put him on the field. And then even when they talk to some of these guys who haven't played a lot of slot, they're mentioning, hey, I'm learning how to play slot wide receiver. So I think the, from a wide receiver standpoint, They've talked to guys with the ability to play inside and outside, and that's kind of a wide receiver that it feels like they want. Don't, nobody's stuck in a position. You can pl- line up outside. You can line up inside, and then Bobby Slowick and the rest of the offensive staff can sort of play chess with how they want to mismatch things and how they want to put guys in there. Oh, you want uh, you know, Tank Dell on the inside, Nico Collins on the outside, and say Brian Thomas Jr. on the outside on first down, and then on the second down, you know, okay, Brian Thomas Jr.'s inside, Tank Dell's outside. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can play with the versatility of these wide receivers. I think that's what really stuck out to the guys that they've talked to uh, as well.
3: Cody Stutes, our guest on the Sports Radio 610 Hotline, joining us live from Indianapolis at the Combine. Uh, Look, I know you've been talking with uh, Landry and John all week, and um, you're kind of taking in all this information, and I'm sure you've developed your own opinion and thoughts right now, but kind of wanted to run this by you, man. Uh, I talked to Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com last night. Uh, In his latest mock draft, uh, he talked about defensive end uh, Leilatu Latu out of UCLA, likes him as a Texans uh, fit, uh, has him slotted at 23. Just curious from your opinion uh, on what you've uh, observed or learned about Latu. I think he's got a really... You know, pretty terrific story given his injury history and the production that he's put together over the last couple of years at UCLA. Just thoughts on his fit and even just the position of that being of interest for the Texans in the first couple of rounds.
1: I tell you what, if Latu's there at 23, lock up the AFC South for the next few years. He's a monster. I mean, he, he's he's a really good player. Him opposite Will Anderson would be the best young pass-rushing duo in football and have the opportunity to be the best pass-rushing duo in football. I don't see how he gets there, though, when you start thinking about, okay, a lot of wide receivers are going to come off the board, a lot of offensive tackles are going to come off the board, quarterbacks are going to come off the board. A player like him, and with Dallas Turner just absolutely blowing up yesterday with his physical gifts, and showcasing what he did in the workouts. Like, okay, maybe Latu starts to, to slip a little bit, and if he ended up at 23, I mean, my goodness, run the card up there. Heck, if he gets to 20, uh, you know, maybe you maneuver some of the picks to go up there and go go get a guy like that because him plus Will Anderson is, is, is pain for the rest of the AFC South. The defensive end spot is a little weak, um, which I feel like also helps justify the Will Anderson move last year. If you looked ahead and felt like the class wasn't going to be super impressive, then, okay, Maybe the Will Anderson move has a little bit more context one year later. Um, Anderson would be clearly the best defensive end in this year's class if he was in this year's class. So it's a little weak. You know, Darius Robinson, a guy from Missouri, is a guy that I've mentioned a few times. Didn't test great uh, yesterday from sort of the expectations of what he was going to bring to the table. Um, he kind of came off as a more limited pass rusher from the edge. Uh, it, it's a it to me is a much stronger defensive tackle crew than defensive end crew. There's a couple of these defensive tackles that intrigue me, and you know if they start to slip or they get pushed down the board by other guys, I'm a little bit more interested in them. That's why I feel like hey a Jonathan Grenard investment makes a lot of sense for the Texans, just because it may be kind of hard to find the right guy in the draft opposite Will Anderson.
4: You mentioned Grenard do you have a feel for what they're going to do with him when it comes to the franchise tag? I,
1: I, would, I, I would tell you the way that Nick Casario talked about the franchise tag the other day, there's a close to 0% chance that Jonathan Grenard is going to get the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. And the reason, the reason why is, you know, Casario, because I, I asked him about the franchise tag, like, how, you know, how to use it as a tool in roster building. And he's like, well, the tough part about the tag is you tag the guy, and I'm paraphrasing here, and it immediately hits all your cap. You know, there's no there's no maneuverability off of a tag. Plus, it also sets a baseline for negotiations. You know, the tag for Jonathan Bernard's over twenty million dollars. If he was signing a, you know, a, a reasonable three or four year deal, his guaranteed money is not going to be a whole bunch higher than that. And then you start talking about twenty million dollars a year. And it, it, it helps Jonathan Grenard in negotiations a lot if you franchise tag him. It's almost better to let him hit the market and say, oh, okay, like maybe somebody views him at 16, 17. The Texans are willing to go to that when they thought he was maybe 14, 15 a year. But if he's at 21 a year because of the franchise tag, he and his agents start negotiating off of that. And that as a starting point. So I don't really think – because I mentioned mentioned, like, they've got the money if they want to use the tag because they've got that extra Um, that extra financial benefit because of their cap space but I I think there's a a near zero percent chance that Grenard is the tagged guy maybe maybe Dalton Schultz Um, and then the guy that I would tag uh, would be Kaimi Fairbairn except when they removed did his contract and freed up some money uh, he put in there or got the Texans put in there no franchise tag so uh, no tag for Kaimi he's going to hit free agency or get an extension from the Texans.
3: Good stuff, Cody, man. There's so much I wanted to talk to you about, but we
4: just don't have Can a lot I, of time. Well, I got to ask him one more question. Go ahead. I go wasn't going to let him go, but um, uh, go ahead. All right, Cody, Duke Tobin's on the line right now. He, he says T. Higgins for 23. What do you do? I hang up. Really?
1: You wouldn't, you wouldn't trade 23 for T. Higgins? No, because then I've got to pay T. Higgins a whole bunch of money that That's I don't right. believe T. Higgins is is worth um now if you told if you told me that um if you told me that uh the Colts have franchise tag Michael Pittman and they call I might have a conversation but I I I don't believe in T Higgins T Higgins has not showcased to me that he's going to spend a lot of time as a true number one wide receiver in the NFL he's a really good two he's a really good two but he, he's not a number one and he's gonna and he's gonna get number one money from somebody when he finally hits the market and more power to him. Um but I, I would not trade for T Higgins. W- there's almost nobody I would trade for on the franchise tag this offseason. Uh
3: last one for me, Cody. I mean, I you're we're in the heart of the combine, but just so far, um, is there anybody like that you're thinking of that you went in to this weekend? with maybe low expectations for that you've talked to or you've heard from or you've observed that has really kind of made you rethink uh, anything on them or has stood out to you?
1: I went into this week liking A.D. Mitchell from Texas more than Xavier Worthy from Texas, Mm -hmm. and I I flipped on that. I flipped on that. Um, I like like Xavier Worthy now a little bit more than A.D. Mitchell after – hearing both of them talk and after talking to some people here around the combine, I, look, A.D. Mitchell's going to test out of a gym. He's going to be an absolute monster. Okay. Um, but I, I just, I, I liked Xavier Worthy's uh, mood mentality vibe, the way he talked about football, you know, special teams being important to him doing some dirty work. And I, I, I like that mentality a little bit more than the kind of the mood I got from, from A.D. Mitchell and, um, I think that's probably the biggest change for me on a prospect or in the conversation with that is, you know, I liked Worthy less than Mitchell coming in, and I like Worthy more than Mitchell leaving the combine.
3: Good stuff. Cody Stutes, Sports Radio 610 Hotline. You can catch him on Houston Football and on YouTube. Uh, keep kicking ass up there, man. We'll look forward to the updates.
7: Get,
1: get to Bloomington. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Get to Bloomington. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good on the basketball. I'm good.
3: All right, that's Cody Stoots, man. Appreciate you. Uh, you can check him out. He's got the latest and has been joining us all week long here on Sports Radio 610 from the Combine in Indianapolis. Coming up next, uh, we can react to some of the stuff that he had to say uh, about the Texans' visits with the wide receivers. When we take a trip around the NFL, we got a lot of other nuggets to get your way from the league. That's next. It's in the loop, Sports Radio 610.
8: Let's go around the NFL to keep you in the loop. This is Houston's Sports Leader, Sports Radio 610.
3: In for Landry Locker and John Lopez, I'm Sean Bajani. He's Adam Spillane, Figgy Fig here, still doing his thing. Big thanks again to Cody Stutz for joining us last segment. Uh, live report from Indianapolis at the Combine. Make sure you uh, check his work on YouTube and Houston football. He's got all the good stuff, man. does a great job. Continue to follow them on Twitter as well. Uh, Just a reminder, coming up after this show at 2 o'clock from 2 until 6, Clint Sterner, Ron Hughley live out at Twin Peaks off of Kirby and 59 this afternoon. Uh, Make sure you stop by, go see them, hang out, have a beer, get something food to eat. They'll have rodeo tickets to give away on site throughout the show today. Uh, So make sure you go see those guys. Twin Peaks off of Kirby and 59. That is a great, great spot. Time now. To go around the NFL, and we'll start with uh, Houston Texans. Some news that came down yesterday afternoon uh, by way of Laramie Tunsell. Uh, the Texans left tackle. Uh, news came out that he'd recently underwent knee surgery. That was only a matter of time before uh, that news broke. It was going to happen. It was always going to happen ever since uh, look, the Texans started load managing him very early to the middle portion of last season in terms of practice, you know, after I had to miss a few games. Um, that was just necessary. Started 14 games this past season, played 95% of the uh, O-line snaps, cleaned it up, and according to Ian Rappaport, who had the uh, news first, Tunsil should make a, quote, swift recovery. Um, I, I think, you know, in regards to Tunsil, I still feel like the guy gets a bad rap, and I don't feel the need at all to really be a guy that, needs to be in his corner, but I kinda I kinda wanna be because I earned a new respect for him last year just watching that whole process play out, being a little closer to it than I typically had been in years past. I thought he was an absolute badass last year and the ability to play through that knee injury and to produce the way that he did, to protect the way that he did, and for that side of the line to function as well as it did. Um, that was that was just a really impressive, uh, I think, season that Tunsil put together. I would not be surprised if he has another, maybe one of his best, if not the best season this upcoming season because of other changes that might take place as well.
4: Well, the key is always health. And it's been, I don't know if it's been as big an issue as maybe it's made out to be, but he's had at times trouble staying on the field. But when he's out there, he's really good. Mm -hmm. And he's a really good player, and he's a really good teammate. And there's a reason why they gave up as much as they did to get him in the first place, and then there's a reason why they have given him the two contracts since.
3: 100%. Highest
4: paid left tackle.
3: And uh, always an interesting uh, follow because of uh, what he chooses and whom he chooses to endorse, uh, which has already been, by the way, of uh, Xavier Howard. Uh, If it's any, uh, you know history to go by. He did call CJ Stroud QB one literally like three days after the Texans drafted him last year. Uh I'd say it tongue in cheek, but whatever he kind of wants, the Texans do. Whatever CJ Stroud wants, the Texans do. He wanted Tank Dell. They got Tank Dell. Like I'm liking that tandem. I'm liking uh you know what I've been hearing from Laramie Tunsel as he's been a little bit more public since his team's been better over the course of the last year. Uh, Speedy recovery, I think he's going to set himself up for a hell of a year. Uh, Up next, Jerry Jones. Uh, This is uh, reality TV at its best, man. I don't know if you guys have seen this story, but Jerry Jones has to take a uh, papa test, a paternity test, uh, because one 27-year-old woman by the name of Alexandra Uh, is claiming and has been claiming for years now that she is the daughter of the now 81-year-old Jerry Jones. Jones has said no, she has said yes, and look, here it is in a nutshell for you. Jones, married to a woman named Jean, has been since 1963. Apparently, back in the 90s, he pursued this uh, airline's flight attendant in Arkansas by the name of Cynthia shacked up with her, had a kid by the name of Alexandria, who's now been saying that she's the daughter of Jerry Jones and wants a little piece of the pie. And Jerry Jones is saying, no, I am not the father. But according to his own attorneys, has been uh, paying this woman uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in recent years uh, for whatever reason. And I guess there was the thought that maybe uh, that money would keep her mouth shut. In fact, that is no longer the case. I guess she wants more. <laughs> A uh, question for you guys.
4: I have no comment on this situation. Is
3: Jerry Jones the father of one Alexandra? Sure, right, why not?
4: <laughs> I why have not? no comment.
3: <laughs> this is something I feel like uh, my wife and your wife, Figgy, would be way more into than you or I or any other man. Uh, that's why I temp- You know, said this is more like a reality TV show. This is like 90 Day Fiance kind of a thing. Jersey Shore, very much uh up that alley. Desperate Housewives. Yeah. Why is this never seem to like leave Jerry Jones? There's always something, and I enjoy it thoroughly.
5: I mean, kind of show you what type of uh, maybe what type of person he is. I want him to
3: be the father so bad. <laughs> I want him to be the father so bad. Uh have you seen Sophie Hall, guys? I don't know who that is. You're not familiar with Sophie Hall? Mm -mm. Uh, Apparently, she's a um, influencer on social media that uh, parlayed a football camp uh, session for her son at uh, some deal that Tyreek Hill was uh, involved with into a visit at Tyreek Hill's house.
5: And okay, that's the one that that's the one that you know about this. Yeah. Yeah. This story.
3: Yeah, so she and Tyreek Hill uh decided to have a personal session at the house uh together here recently and it didn't go so well. Uh Hill, I guess, had what kind the idea of personal idea. session. Well, I'm getting to that.
5: Uh, I mind you, isn't Tyreek Hill married? Uh I guess he going through a divorce now. Remember, he um I, I guess TMZ or somebody put it out that he was getting a divorce and he denied it. And then later came back and said it was true or something like that. Yeah,
3: well, maybe it's going to be more true now than ever if uh, yeah. you're not familiar with the details of this story. So Tyreek Hill had Sophie Hall, uh social media influencer, at her house for a uh, little bit of a football practice session. While he was doing some training, she's there watching. Apparently, some of his family's there watching. And he has the bright idea because this woman, Sophie Hall, is about 5'10", no, About six foot, six foot one, 200 pounds, big, beautiful, voluptuous looking woman. Um, She wanted or he wanted her to line up as a uh, defensive uh, lineman while he lined up as an offensive lineman and he wanted her to uh, try to block him. Well, she bowled him over, landed on top of him, and apparently he was embarrassed and pissed off about this situation because everybody was laughing so he said, "Hey, let's do that again," and
5: he let her have it. Yeah, this time he he was the uh, defensive lineman. He was the D I'm lineman. about to rush you now. She was the O
3: lineman. He brought it and apparently broke her leg in the process.
4: Wait, is this like slang, or did they actually really do this?
3: This happened. No, this really happened. This seems like you're, this is a true story. Like you're
4: using coded language to describe. <laughs>
3: No, you would think so. When I first read the story, I was thinking very much the same thing. Like, oh, he was mad that she
4: tackled him, huh? He he was the (laughs) offensive lineman and she was the defensive lineman. Yeah, I was having some fun with it too. Like, yeah, Uh,
3: you know, can you help me train for football this year? Like, could you line up as an offensive lineman and not take uh, snaps under center? (laughs) You know, that kind of a thing? No, apparently this uh, went sideways very quickly. Hill claimed that Hall actually hurt her leg tripping over a dog while performing the drills, and Collins accused Hall's counsel of intentionally omitting that from her original complaint. Hall's lawsuit does mention a puppy disrupting a drill, but does not say that the dog actually caused her to fall. Here's the thing. This chick is suing uh, Tyreek Hill for $50,000. That's it? Just $50,000 because Because of the the low amount of money. Because of the low amount of money. Are you more apt to believe her claims because of the low amount of money as opposed to her trying to extort money from a multi-multi-multi-millionaire?
4: I mean... Only 50? Only 50. Yeah. If I
5: was him, I'd give her 60. <laughs> like, here's 60. Here you go. Just don't say anything. Yeah. Sign these papers. Don't say anything about this. Here's the thing, guys. Like, I, I think...
3: Keep in mind, she's a social media influencer. Where are you seeing all of this news now? I mean, you're hearing about it right here on the radio. People have talked about it. It's on uh, every platform. It's on multiple websites. It's all over the place. She has gotten her name out. People are Googling her image uh, because, look, she's an attractive woman. That stands six six one, probably 225 pounds. This is a large woman, man. Um She's put herself out there in many more ways than one. This is nothing but good for her. I tend to believe it, and I also tend to believe that uh, because this puppy was there, Tyreek Hill's going to get off scot-free. It's a good out. Mm. (laughs) It just so happens to be there. So uh, the puppy is going to be the scapegoat, if you will. All right, next up on Around the NFL, uh, Nico Collins. We played the audio for you earlier And this was very intriguing. Figgy, I don't know if you did clip it or not, just that one little bit. You don't have to. But can you play that little bit of audio from Nico Collins where he's talking about his potential contract extension and what the idea of it means for him this offseason going forward as a Houston Texan entering into the final year of a rookie deal?
6: Man, to be honest, I haven't really even talked to my agent about it. I mean, I kind of know that like it's my end of my third you know what I'm saying? I'm up for you know free agency but in my head man I'm like I'm locked in to where I, I feel like I, I need another year to prove to everybody what I can do you know because I miss I feel like really the first two years I had was due to injuries I feel like that wasn't my best me you know what I'm saying so I feel like after this year I'm kind of like all right just show them a little bit boom and I feel like this year I feel it's gonna be a little better year, man. Just, just mentally, uh, physically. I uh, know what to expect. I'm um, learning, getting better, growing throughout the throughout the year. Um, just learning the game better. And uh but you know, if it comes come early, it come early. You know, but I feel like my mindset is just, just go ball and just let it play out. Let uh, it play out.
3: The two most interesting things that he said there is one: the last. If it comes early, if it comes it comes early. You know, cool. That tells me if the Texans are able to like wow him with a number uh in the commitment years in an extension offer now he'd be apt to do it cool but outside of that when he'd said you know cuz the first two years I had due to injury that wasn't my best me you know what I'm saying I feel like after this past year I'm kind of like all right I showed them a little bit boom so I feel like this year's going to be a little bit better year he's Still feels like he has a lot to prove. He didn't talk about it being a crappy team. He didn't talk about it being a bad quarterback situation. He didn't talk about the team tanking. He talked about injuries. I was down with injuries. That's why I still got more to prove. I love the fact that this guy's betting on himself right now.
4: Oh well, yeah, he should. I mean, he's got an opportunity to make a lot of money, and there's no. But he's to- also
3: got an opportunity to endure another season. This upcoming year, as he did the first two in the league. That's, yeah, but that's he, the ultimate betting on yourself because he could get paid right now if he
4: wanted to, I would imagine, pretty well. He knows who's throwing him the football this year. Yeah. Like If, if this were a situation where it was Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor or Case Keenum or somebody else throwing him the ball, then yeah, he might want to go take the money. But he understands that the guy who will be throwing him the football this season is elite or mm-hmm. could be elite. Mm-hmm. And so when that's the case... He's got a, t- a chance to have another really big season, which will only increase his value. So, I mean, CJ Stroud has an opportunity to make him a lot of money uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And if Nico, the big thing for Nico Collins is going to be health, because that was the one thing that That's hurt it. him his first two years in the league. He had what was it? The calf thing? This year he had he had one little yeah nagging he, had the calf, he had
3: a couple of calf issues yeah. this year. That, that and that I don't know a, if it was
4: the same one, but that, that cost him a couple games. But if he can stay on the field, he's going to be good because the guy throwing him the football is elite, and he's a really good player, so yeah.
3: Absolutely, and considering the fact that you're going to have Tank Dell coming back healthy, if you can get him for the full season, I mean, who knows? Who knows? At one point in time, I looked at these numbers through the first seven or eight weeks, guys. You looked at the projected numbers of Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and Dalton Schultz through the first seven or eight weeks of this season. They were all three on pace to approach 900-plus receiving yards this season. Pretty close to three guys of a 1,000 yards. That's happened five times in NFL history. Um, With this offense, with C.J. Stroud throwing the football, I mean, there's a possibility you get at least two of those guys, and they're named Nico Collins and Tank Dell this upcoming season. And two is still kind of anomalous in the NFL. It happens a little bit more often than uh, getting three. but If you can get two, that's pretty special. 713-572-4610-572. 4, 6, 10. You want to call, text, be a part of the show. You're more than welcome to do so. Hit us up on Twitch and YouTube. Coming up next, we'll have uh, what we think has got the internet going nuts. And Landry Locker, who is not present, has been very busy in his own right. He had the internet going nuts this morning. That's next. I,
5: I, 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 got, I got the internet going
3: nuts. In for Landry Locker and John Lopez, Sean Bajani, Adam Spillane with you. It's in the loop. Figgy Fig here. Uh, I imagine the guys will be back tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, but uh, next Monday. week, I mean. Yep. Monday, yep. So, we have a full show. Does it get first time in a while? Have they been in uh, this week together? Yeah, they all week. Okay. They only missed. like every today. time I look up, John's like uh, fishing or something. He's got a picture he's <laughs> posting on Facebook.
5: That's why I was wondering. Well, he was off the previous Friday, too. Okay. Yeah. Must yeah. be nice. Must be
3: nice. Uh, especially considering today. There's some anger behind those words.
4: Biggie, well, I hear some anger. <laughs>
3: <laughs> From him or me?
4: From you. Not me.
3: No, I'm just being Jiggy? the cynical bastard that I am. Yeah, it's, uh it's considering like today must be nice. Yeah, is, must, must
4: be nice to take to get those off days. I'm I'm out here working two shifts. And, I I was offered and to, and to take uh
3: I didn't have to work work my night shift tonight, but I I offered to do so. I got offered uh to take President's Day off. I, I sound said, no, you sound very bitter about I'm it. I'm working. <laughs> I was just I was more like throwing a barb at them considering today is employee appreciation day.
4: Does Sean sound? bitter 713572 713
3: No, uh, here's what I do want to solicit via the text line 7135724610. It's Employee Appreciation Day. And it's really a question for you Figgy because uh, Spo does not know the answer to it himself. Um, but question for all of you first. Uh, what have your employers done for you today to honor you on Employee Appreciation Day? Uh, what Odyssey has done for us? Uh, very nicely I woke up this morning and I received an email saying that I was the beneficiary of 30 Odyssey points. Did you guys get 30 Odyssey points this morning? I did. Did y'all? Yeah. I did. I need to check. I didn't get that. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. You probably you had probably probably got 60. You might have got 60. Yeah, big ballers uh, probably get a little bit more than, uh, you know,
5: I'm about to check right
3: now, but I doubt it. You might have notifications silenced or something on that, but um, we got 30 points. Now, here's the question for you, Figgy. seems like you understand at least what an Odyssey point is, correct? Yeah. Have you received Odyssey points prior in the past?
5: Yes. So, with our in our cluster, we encourage people to send other people Odyssey points because you get, like, 20 odyssey odyssey points to send to other co-workers all right so towards the end of the month they say hey make sure you send somebody your odyssey points so anybody can send anybody odyssey points yep i could send somebody odyssey points yeah you can say add some odyssey points you can send me i can send you we can, whoever is in odyssey i did not know i was in possession of points to give out
3: This seems to me about as valuable as Dogecoin at this point in time. I have no idea what the hell these points are. Um, What do you do with them? Is it just like a virtual pat on the back? Like, hey, good job. I'm sending you points as opposed to sending somebody an email.
5: I I think you can use the Odyssey points to buy something in the Odyssey store. So you could probably use those points to get a hat or something like that. But if we all have points to give out... Then we should just be able to say hey I want a shirt I want a hat yeah but you can't use those points for yourself you gotta pass them be out given points yeah
3: all right I've been given points multiple times over the last year I have no idea how to redeem those or to by the way those. I do
5: got I do gotta give for 30 Odyssey points oh just 30 so,
3: yep just 30 all right, when so, you- sounds
4: like a stimulus plan here <laughs> When you figure we all got out our Stimmy,
5: when you figure out how to uh,
4: use
7: those,
5: you just you. let me know. Let me know. Yeah. So if you look at the homepage, you get hit redeem, and I think it's some stuff you could buy. Yeah, I don't believe use you. No points. I don't believe
3: you. I tried to do that. I want to redeem something, and I have no idea how to do that. that Seven one three. My boss told me that I'll be getting a bonus next week. Uh, what has your employer done for you on a pr- Employee Appreciation Day? Not that is today.
4: Me. Not fired me.
3: Not fired you. Just kept a job. That day, hey, that's that's good. If you're content with that, fantastic. I never expect anything from my employer other than that. That is sounds all a I want. That is all I want. is just sounds a, a little job. bitter. No, not your bitterness. I'm not bitter. I am not bitter at all, Biggie. I, just, I need to stay currently employed.
5: Yeah, you sound you sound like you kind of want to walk that line. But I want to like- cash my damn Odyssey points in. <laughs> I have like 90 of them, apparently, and I don't know what to what the, to do with them. I'm going to show you how to use them. I'll show you how to use them. All I want is a T-shirt, man. <laughs> give, give me a
3: shirt.
9: Good luck with that.
4: Come on. There's some bitterness in this room, boys. Let me tell you. Right. I, 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 got,
8: I got the internet going
4: nuts.
9: I want to know
3: from both of you guys, any, anybody out there listening, like, be honest, be honest. This is maybe confession. Like, what is just, like, one of the most ridiculous things that you believe in or don't believe in? Because I don't know if it tops this uh, idiot from the combine. I, I wanted to ask Cody Stutz about his uh, brethren from Texas Tech, but I just didn't have time. Apparently, uh, this Texas Tech defensive back does not believe in space. Did you guys see this? Yeah, I got the audio right here if you want to hear it. Please play the audio of one NFL prospect defensive back by the name of Tyler Owens in this Red Raider. Here's what he had to say.
1: You guys are discussing that you don't believe in
3: No, nah, I don't believe in space
6: but like talking about you know, I'm real religious so I think like where he's from right now I'll be there like uh planets and stuff, stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. What, what what led you to that point to believe that? Um well like I really I thought you used to believe in like the heliocentric thing, like being some power around some stuff, but then like I started seeing like flat Earth stuff now, like it
3: valid points, he says. <laughs> Do you feel dumber for having listened to that? Um, love the reporter at the end, by the way, who uh said, Awesome, man. <laughs> 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 the first thing I thought of the reporter just trying to get the hell out of there. Like, awesome, man. Have you guys ever been involved in a conversation in which somebody's saying something that is just completely dumb, idiotic, ridiculous, makes you feel uncomfortable. You just want to punch him in the face. And you just say, awesome, man. Got to go.
7: You <laughs> say,
5: all right, man. Bet. <laughs>
3: yeah, bet. See ya. <laughs> I mean, my gosh. Um, that is worse than Flat Earther. Um, just not believing in they space. They relayed
4: it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, so do you get anything comparable to that, Figgy? Well, there's people who don't think birds exist, or they don't think that birds are real. What you haven't? I've seen that too. That's somebody had a
5: text about that earlier. I don't even know why that was brought up, but okay. Yeah, somebody said pigeons aren't real. No,
4: it, it goes to all birds because, and one of the reasons they say this is that you know how you'll you'll be you'll see birds up on the power lines and nothing happens to them. Something real. If you're just chilling on a power line, you're gonna get zapped. But birds don't get zapped on the power line, so therefore birds aren't real. And so for the pigeons, the power lines are like charging
5: stations. Yeah. Somebody said, "Have you ever
4: <laughs> like?" And I ain't gonna lie, I
5: kind of started thinking about it a little bit because they said, "Have you ever seen a baby pigeon?" And I, I never, I, I never seen, seen a baby ever. pigeon. I've never seen. And it. he said, "When you see pigeons on the power line, they're usually charging up." Yeah,
4: that's their charging station. <laughs> it's like an EV.
5: I now feel even dumber for
3: having
4: this. I ain't gonna lie, got me
5: with the baby pigeons because I'm like I've never seen a baby pigeon before.
4: Okay, but, but why does nothing happen when they're on the power line? Because it has like, something to do with like the whenever, if, if the webbing of their um, feet. If I were to touch a power line, that'd be it. But these birds can just sit up on the power line for hours upon hours. I don't know. And nothing
3: happens. 7135724610. We've got some um science uh dork out there. I didn't mean to be mean. Uh <laughs> somebody that could educate us on the um Wait,
4: birds birds aren't real is a parody? One of the textures you <laughs> said in that birds aren't real is actually a parody? I don't know. I mean oh, there, I there's no that. way that could be real. This there, is there the was second... somebody though at the Combine who was like yeah, the he stuff was there about serious. I don't know who the guy was, but there was a guy at the combine who said that. The pig yeah, I've pig. seen that.
3: <laughs> We're just gonna get filled with this stuff. Megalodon is still alive. Uh, as a tech alum, I'm sad. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder how uh, that made Cody Stutz feel. You know, being a, a tech guy himself. Isn't Landry a tech guy as yes. well?
5: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes, he graduated from there. But I don't think he represents them. There you
3: go. <laughs> he doesn't. Say, he doesn't <laughs> he don't, tell anybody. He don't tell, yeah. <laughs>
5: All right, speaking of Landry
3: Locker, he had the internet going nuts this morning. Uh, I got it. I barely sat down in the studio this morning, and my wife texted me saying Landry's getting crushed on Facebook. And then Pendergast comes in and says that Amy was talking about something that Landry had posted on Facebook at 4.30 this morning. I'm like, man, what did he say? Uh, Apparently, he went at teacher's. Uh, quote, does anyone else get uncomfortable when they see some current teachers post on social media? I know the gig ain't easy. Trust me. I lived it at a high level and would die if my mom had to teach today. But some of these teachers are wild. The grammatical errors, emotion, oversharing in an era when discouraging that should be a priority. Weird to me. Kind of gets a little uh, choppy at the end. But just reading what landry posted on apparently a lot of teachers were very angry amy pendergast is a teacher i believe of kindergarten my wife was a former teacher assistant principal people were like uh going at him as a, what does he mean figgy i mean you know this man very well
5: he lived it at a high level his so mom his mom was a teacher okay so he was a uh yeah he was a son of a teacher
3: okay <laughs> That's not the same as being in a classroom with, uh, you know, little pipsqueaks
5: and teenagers and middle schoolers uh, yeah. giving you hell all day. I, th- I, think, I think his point was he kind of understand the struggle and all that stuff. Does he? Can you?
3: Can you? Yeah. I don't think so. I think I nominate I'm- him for the slime off next week. <laughs> I think his own mother would nominate him uh, uh, for the slime-off next week. That Agree might be true. That might be true. All right. right, <laughs> we'll Just make my nomination count. All right. That's going to be it for uh, the internet going nuts. Coming up next, baseball's biggest takeaways from Astros spring training. They're in action right now. We'll give you an update. Fromber was on the mound. We'll have it for you next. It's Sports Radio 610.
8: Thank you, Peggy. Live from the Twin Peak studios, Sports Radio 610 presents In The Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker.
3: Man, I have no idea what happened last segment, but it happened, and uh, I never thought we'd be getting this much uh, bird knowledge dropped on us uh, via the text line. 713-572-4610. Trying to restore some credibility to the University of uh, Texas Tech. Uh, Texter says, well, unless you touch the ground, you don't complete the circuit, so a bird isn't in danger when on the same wire. With the uh, same potential energy As he says, trying to regain some credibility For Texas Tech is someone who has An engineering degree from there Appreciate you from the 832 uh, Also, appreciate Irwin, Who uh, was kind enough to send Me the entire Is it the entire box set,
5: Figgy Of the Sopranos? It looked like it, yeah Wow, I will hope he don't sing you Like, just two seasons Here's season four, enjoy
3: <laughs> Appreciate you, Irwin. Thank you, my man He's gonna send me the entire box set apparently of uh Sopranos so I can finally Freeloader. watch. Freeloader, that's me. <laughs> I think he solicited to that for me. Uh he's the one that sent the address. I appreciate it. I I did not ask. That's true. You did not ask. You prompted people to give me their uh, HBO Max <laughs> We're passwords. You're
4: gonna start a GoFundMe for you. <laughs> Goodness.
3: Um, by the way, good job uh from the texture that uh mentioned squirrels. Uh not being electrocuted because they're not grounded. Like nobody thought of like what are squirrels fake? I mean, how many times do you see squirrels running across power lines? I don't know. Something some NFL prospect at the Combine started talking about this. Is that
4: where we're at? That was where the pigeons thing came from. Okay. I still think this is like a massive. Troll I don't know. Job. Again, he might have just been like saying stuff just to say it, and it mm. doesn't actually believe it. But I don't know. I don't
3: know. If you are a prospect, just keep your mouth shut on that stuff. I am not entertaining. That I mean, silly it's it's one thing to
4: say it to, though to the media, it's, an, it's a screw with the media. You might have you probably not saying this to the team. I don't know. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, Stroh's in action today uh, as we speak. In fact, trailing Nationals four to three, top of the six. Framber Valdez was on the mound. Uh, Framber wore a
4: shirt post game one year that said "Humans aren't real." Yeah. I mean, has he not is he spoken on that sense?
7: <laughs> I'm not, I didn't
4: ask
3: him about it. I, but I'm not concerned with his uh mental uh stability in that realm. Humans, so you think humans are real? I absolutely okay, think I humans so. are very real and um uh in some cases a little too real and uh too dumb. If I real about as pigeons? Pigeons and what else were we talking about? Uh, space not being about real. real like, space. God bless America, man. I can't. I can't deal. DJ Reader doesn't believe in dinosaurs. Stop texting in these things. <laughs> Is that true? I don't know. I don't want to know. Uh, Fromber Valdez, though, got touched up. Fourth pitch of the ball game, home run. CJ Abrams. Uh, big deal. Results uh, not necessarily of uh, great importance at this point in time, but it was his first start this spring, and... um uh, Here's your Astros update. I wanted to know from you, Spo, since we haven't really had a chance to talk a lot about it today, kind of your biggest takeaway so far from Astros spring training, where you're at
4: with, uh, you know, progress, things you're hearing so far from camp. I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot. They've played a handful of games. Nobody's really playing 100%. Like, you brought up Framber's line. I don't know if you gave out Framber's line, but no. it wasn't good. No, no it's like, not good. Yeah, he, he uh, allowed more base runners than he recorded outs. And, um... He said, though, afterwards that he was only like 40-50% today. So, uh, I don't take a whole lot out of anything at this point. The the main thing is health. And right now, uh, for the most part, they are healthy aside from Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander isn't hurt at this point. He's just not ready to start pitching in games. JP France, too. Yeah, obviously obviously Verlander is a little bit more important to to the success of the season than JP France. But at some point, um, Verlander will be able to pitch in in games. And he might have to miss the start of the season. But... That's okay. That's that's not the end of the world by any mm-hmm. stretch. So I, I think that spring for them has gone fine. I, I don't I don't think that there's a whole lot that you can make of it so far.
3: Operationally, um, everything seems to be trending in the right direction. Reports good. Dana Brown, very impressed with how Joe Espada's been running spring training. Uh had an opportunity to do that last year. Uh, he's been running
4: spring training ever since Dusty got there. Yeah. Yeah. Training so training was always his thing.
3: He's he's got the experience in terms of that. And, uh, look, today, by the way, uh, Framber's line, since you mentioned it, and it doesn't mean anything, inning in a third, five hits, three runs, a walk, two Ks, and gave up the home run. Um, Hunter Brown pitched uh, a couple of innings in relief today as well, two hits, a run, walk, and a K for Hunter Brown. Uh, just getting the reps, and if you end your outing healthy, as you said, that's all that really matters. Guys are
4: working on all kinds of things. I worry so little about that. You're working on stuff you're building up. Yeah. Now, if if three weeks from now, you're not getting good results, well, then it becomes a little bit of an issue, but at this point, none of it matters. Let me ask you this question, because Patrick
3: and I have been bouncing the idea around the last couple of nights of them bolstering their starting pitching, and this is not just based on a hypothetical that it could go sideways uh, health-wise with Justin Verlander or J.P. France, but... Um, just period. If you've got the ability to upgrade as Jim Crane floated out that idea a few weeks ago in a meeting with Dana Brown and other Astros personnel, like, Hey, how can we upgrade? How can we get better? Josh Hader's name was brought up. Cool. They went out and signed him. five years, 95 million. Just hypothetically, if Jim Crane's sitting around saying, Hey, how can we get better? Is Jordan Montgomery's name being mentioned by Dana Brown and the Houston Astros, as he is one of a handful still of free agent starting pitchers
4: available on the market. Probably not, just because they know the price tag. Yeah. And if my guess is the price tag would just be too high. Yeah, and I, the
3: projection is around $115 million, I think uh, somewhere in the five-year range, something like that, maybe six years. I think the AAV that I'd seen for him, uh, was in and around 21 to $23 million per. So, whatever that turns out to be. I'm intrigued by it, and Patrick's been all over it, and I'm kind of all aboard. I'm a little surprised to hear you say, though I did ask you a direct question, and at least in terms of if you thought the Astros would be interested, would Adam Spolane be interested? Because it's not just about the now. It would be about the future. And... um. You know, considering Justin Verlander, nothing guaranteed with him, not even next season or this season for that matter. He's got to reach an inning threshold of 140 for that uh, extra year of his contract to kick in next season. Would you kick that idea out of bed, Jordan Montgomery? of
4: course I would. He's a really good starting pitcher, and really good starting pitchers are at a premium. Uh, And the other thing that it would do is it would keep him away from the Rangers. And so I think there's an expectation at some point that he would just go back to Texas but if somebody jumps in and takes him away from them, I mean, you saw how good he was for the Rangers last year, and he probably and is a big reason why they won the World Series to begin with. He's so, good against the Astros yeah, in the so postseason. If yeah, if you have an opportunity to take him away from them, then hey, go ahead and do it. But again, there's a price tag that comes with it. um He's, Boris is not going to necessarily budge off that price tag, and I think that they are probably just waiting and assuming that a starting pitcher somewhere gets hurt because that's what happens with starting pitchers. Starting yeah. pitchers get hurt all the time.
3: Well, you know, Boris talking about that Bellinger contract the other day. It was uh, three years, $80 million, $30 million this year, and... There's basically There's option There's it's, options.
4: It's structured like the Correa contract a couple of years ago, which mm-hmm. again, that was a Boris thing where mm-hmm. the market wasn't exactly what they thought it would be with Correa, partly because of the lockout and there just wasn't time to get everything uh, figured out. So they did the three year deal with an opt out after the first two. And that's basically the same structure of the Bellinger deal. Now that might be something similar to what they do with Jordan Montgomery where they do a similar three-year type deal, but there's just opt-outs after every year, so he gets a little bit of protection. Or it could be like a Dallas Keuchel situation from 2018-2019 when Keuchel waited until June to sign, and he signed a one-year deal and then wound up getting his contract from the White Sox the next winter.
3: Yeah, well, and that turned out to be a pretty good, you know, uh, miss for the Astros. But in the case of Jordan Montgomery, I mean, he's 31. Just turned 31. You kind of get into interesting territory when you're talking about a 31-year-old pitcher, and it certainly depends on the kind of pitcher that he is. He's not a guy that is particularly a hard thrower. Those velocities increased in each of the last three seasons. Uh, He's a lefty. He's a little bit more crafty. He's got a track record now of having pitched, uh, you know, been a pretty durable guy for three straight seasons. But he's 31. Like, you can only do the bridge you know, so many times with a guy like Jordan Montgomery, would that be a situation for him where he could still maybe do a bridge type of contract similar to Cody Bellinger ish and still get the bag? Because that would be the only way that he would entertain that is if he would ensure that, Hey, yeah, if I prove it and I can still be a, a you know, a, a top of the line rotation guy in 2024, I could still go get that AAV or the guaranteed money that I want in 25s offseason.
4: season. Yeah, it would be fine. It's, He's not looking for a ten-year deal. He just he's just looking for the next paycheck, basically. Yeah. Like he's in a very different situation than say, like a Blake Snell, who has been an elite-level starting pitcher and won multiple Cy Youngs. Like there's there's a difference in 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 tier uh, of starting pitcher. Um, but he's he's good. Uh, it's just a matter of I don't know if the Astros would be interested in in the price tag. Yeah,
3: he's been on my radar since he was a Yankee man. I, I've always uh, found him intriguing. And boy, again, yeah, if you could keep him from the Rangers, which they've just let him sit there and dangle out there all-off season and haven't done anything, haven't spent any money after they went wild over the course of the last couple of seasons. I mean, they seemed like if anybody needed him, they would need him because you don't have Scherzer. You don't have DeGrom to start the season uh, if you're them. you got to go out and ensure that you're as strong as possible competing in a division
4: with the Astros, with the Mariners. which haven't done anything anyway, but they seem like they're not going anywhere either. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem like they have a big sense of urgency and maybe part of that is they don't feel there's a sense of urgency to win the division because they won the World Series without winning the division last year. Although I do I do think it would mean something to them to beat the Astros for the division title. Yeah, it's their approach to the offseason has been very strange. Just the fact that they have not really done a whole lot. Yeah, you talking about the Rangers? Yes. Yeah, he's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani in for
3: uh, Landry Locker, John Lopez. We're gonna head out to Twin Peaks, fifty nine and Kirby. That's where the drive is at this afternoon. Ron Hughley, Clint Sterner. What's going on, guys?
10: What's good, pretty boys? Having a good time, man. Uh, enjoying, enjoying listening to you two coming in. Um, yeah, it, it, I really, it was. It's, it's thrilling listening to you guys. But we having a good time out here, man. It's packed out here. Uh, people are everywhere in this bad boy in the bar. Shout out to our guy Josh, uh, who's an avid listener and uh, is trying to get us trying to get us drunk before we come on air, but we refuse to. That a boy? Hey, Josh. No, it's not that a boy. <laughs> Josh, Josh for the last forty-five minutes. Oh, come on, just take a shot. Take a take a shot. Come on. All right, I'll buy your beer. Take a <laughs> shot. Like get out of here. But no, man, this will be a good time out here, baby. Good time today.
11: Hey, hey, uh, you guys, hey, you know, you know what? A a beautiful thing about Twin Peaks is always a great time, no doubt about it. But you know, you're damn right. It's man. uh, it's rodeo time, which is obviously no secret. So uh, Hell, and I, look, I, I don't know exactly what the, the the playlist looks like at Twin Peaks, but I'm greatly appreciating <laughs> the fact that it is uh, it is solid solid country music right now. And uh, we got a little country and western theme going on with all these beautiful ladies out here. We got a crowd yes. that is, uh, that's that's growing as we speak. And so, hey, man, come on out and hang with us. I yes. was just
3: going to ask you that question, Clint, if the um, staff is dressed up in their rodeo attire. because oh, they're bringing it. They're okay. Bringing it. All right. I would just make a recommendation to you. I think we're getting pretty close to this time of year as well. It is rodeo time, but Twin Peaks also knocks it out of the park when they have their staff. Uh, dress up in St. Patty Day attire. Uh, I would look, just recommend that, and make look, sure you Bajani. guys are doing a live out there at that point in time.
11: But, <laughs> Johnny, any any quote unquote costume party at Twin Peaks is can't miss. Yep. Hey, so so he, I don't know that I'd call this a costume because hey. it is rodeo season and hey. and uh, it's a little western wear. But either way, either way, I'm picking up what you're putting uh, down, Johnny. Hey,
10: a, hey Adam, <laughs> Adam and Clint. Biggie, I did and Brandon, I see Brandon Scott back there, I didn't know where Sean was going. I did not know where Sean was <laughs> what going. What do you mean? In terms of the outfit and attire, I didn't know I like I didn't know what costume you were coming for. I didn't I was gonna
3: say, Hey, I'm just gonna tell you, I, I have because uh, they
10: have many ones.
3: Oh, they I, do. <laughs> they, nothing is better than Saint Patrick's Day attire. I am very familiar with that, having done many uh remotes uh for the station at Twin Peaks over the years and that's uh <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. Just oh, wanted to God. know if you guys had planned on doing that anytime soon. I, I,
10: I tell you, I, I, I and, and I'm surprised messy ass Adam just sat right there and didn't didn't try to push push the envelope anymore. All I'll right. never forget the late Therese Paler, my guy who passed away on us. We had, we did a show at Twin Peaks. It was lingerie night, and we lost Therese for thirty seconds <laughs> in the middle of an answer. Thirty yeah. seconds. Therese went silent. Said, Big fella. Big fella, come back. Oh. You with
3: us? <laughs> hey, if there's anything I've learned about Spo today and today alone, it's that he will let my ass push that envelope all the way through. Oh. Like, he ain't going to my ass. Lane is messy. Spo Lane is messy. I
11: didn't
10: know he was. I didn't know he was that messy.
11: Hey, Spo Lane hey, is messy. Johnny, Johnny got that. What, 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 are, y'all? what, what are we, Area what, 45, what are we, five weeks in now? Four weeks a month now? Five, five, weeks? five weeks in the books tonight. Uh, I mean Johnny. Johnny's got that that vet voice rocking. I mean he's he is letting it fly now. I mean don't don't forget we're we're six eighty six feet now. You ain't area forty five. You can't just cut completely <laughs> loose now. now.
10: Hey now, Bajani, are you going tonight too? I'm going tonight,
3: baby.
11: Hell I'm here.
10: Yeah, hell God yeah, baby. That's Lee. right, baby. Go
11: hey, my
3: man you. Creighton came through. Just uh, showed up with three boxes of pizza and um, you know on Employee Appreciation Day, I'm going to see if they're appreciating us with some uh, beer in the fridge down the hall. So uh, we're about to get after it.
10: Hey, my man. Creighton last night, man. I told him I'm going to New York uh, coming up in May. He said, hey, make sure you don't go out on the west side, because that's where people get killed.
4: <laughs> y'all still hate each other? <laughs> <laughs>
10: You're a messy-ass Adam, huh?
4: Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. He, in, didn't
10: he? <laughs> he just says it and steps out. Y'all still hate each other? I'm out.
3: <laughs> Alright, fellas, y'all have a kick-ass show. The Drive is live from Twin Peaks, 59 Kirby. Go out to see him. They're giving away rodeo tickets later today with them fine-looking ladies. At Twin Peaks. And, um, hey, y'all need to figure out the uh, St. Paddy's Day thing, too. Just just putting that out there. Uh, Reminder, you're listening to KLT, KLT
2: HD 2. Sports Radio 610. The drive is live next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.